Welcome to the Commission Wrap-Up Show. Our two-week matchup has finally ended, and at the end of Week 15 brings us to the final sprint towards the playoffs. Week 16 of 21 began tonight, and we continue to have unprecedented parity in this league. There are four 8-7s and, and three 7-8s. And Unfortunately for some, there are eight teams vying for five spots. This game of musical chairs will eventually end, and there's really no telling where everyone will stand once we hit the finish line. The only thing we know is that we are seeing teams come together as holes after complete overhaul trades and we have injuries rearing their heads again. We have that August 1st IL spot vote coming up and we know for sure Perry will be voting in favor of keeping the six. But even that won't be enough for the eight injuries he has mounted on his banged up roster. We will discuss the ramifications of the results of week 15 and look forward to week 16. Travis, the number one seed overall going into week 16 will join me as well. All this and more on the Commission Wrap-Up Show, and it starts now. Alright guys, we made it. Finally here on the podcast, sorry for the delay, I kind of told you guys that I would be probably a day late on the episode last week. Um, like I said, Travis will be joining me for a segment tonight, and we're going to be talking about his runs to the playoffs, how he sits at 11-4, how he's feeling about his team. I'm going to ask him the hard-hitting questions. You know, I'm definitely going to be uh, not shying away from the controversy that is the trade that was Brandon Woodruff for Mike Trout. Um, all those conversations need to happen, and I think uh, this will be the first time Travis has been on in quite some time. Uh, but before we start, I'm um, going we'll to start with our segment today in baseball history. As I'm popping a little beer here for the, the podcast. So, on this date, which is July 26th, 2011, the 19-inning, 6-hour, and 39-minute game between the Pirates and the Braves at Turner Field ends in a 4-3 Atlanta victory when Jerry Meals makes one of the worst calls in baseball history. The home plate umpire rules that Michael McKendry had missed Julio Lugo, although it was evident to everyone in the ballpark that the base runner was tagged out three feet in front of the dish. I figured... Uh, we go with this because I remember this quite clearly. Um, it's crazy that it's about 10 years ago at this point. Um, and this sort of is running with the theme of bad umpiring uh, this week. We saw the the Dodgers get um, kind of hosed on that not a swing swing situation uh, where they lost the Giants. And now we sit here uh, and we have that conversation about the Robo-Lumps. It seems like it always comes up at some point. Um, and I think the conversation will never end, if you're being honest, because I think eventually we do want perfection, but you have to weigh it out with the human element. But that's a conversation for another time. So I'm going to take you back 10 years to the day. We got the Atlanta announcers uh, calling. third, breaking for the plate, the throw, and they got him. No! He called No! He called him safe! He called him safe! Unbelievable! Jerry Meals called He called him safe. How can you end You've the game? You've got to be kidding me, Jerry Meals. That is remarkable. That is unbelievable. The throw beat him by a mile. And he's saying that he wasn't tagged? That is unbelievable. That 
This will be replayed a That is times. incredible. So this was on this day and 10 years ago. I really recommend that you guys go back and watch this video because it was one of the plays that teams and front offices and the players union use as an argument for instituting replay challenges uh, that started the very next year. So I guess the Pirates had to make a sacrifice for the greater good, but this was really what drove, drove the conversation the next year among, obviously there's been bad calls all throughout baseball, but this was really egregious. And with the replay system as it is, as flawed as it is, it would even catch something like this. So you won't have a team lose so egregiously uh, in such a bad way. Um, but there's a lot of funny things about this video if you guys watch it. And the, the comments on the YouTube are even better. Um, if you watch, too, Scott Proctor, uh, who's batting, falls down while trying to run to first base. Nobody notices. Uh, both announcers are so mad that they're just having their own separate rants, that they're not even interacting with each other. Um, there's a lot that went on in this video, and I really recommend you guys check it out. In a pretty much inconsequential game between two teams that didn't do anything that year. Um, a game that went 19 innings, obviously, in a different time. Not having games, uh, well, extra innings start with guys on second and whatever, all those rules that have got implemented to make these games go faster. Um... Definitely interesting to look at. It caught my eye when I was looking at today in baseball history. So I'm always looking for things like that. And I really remember this, actually. When I watched it, it's hard to believe it was 10 years ago. And seeing how mad Clint Hurdle got, uh, I for almost forgot about Clint Hurdle. It's like kind of he floated to the back of my brain. And seeing him, he just looks right in that uh, in that Pirates uniform. He kind of brought some relevancy, relevancy back to Pittsburgh baseball. Um, and, yeah, it was it's a nice... A nice throwback, but it's hard to believe. It's making me feel like time is flying. That was 10 years ago. So that was today in baseball history. I'm going to be coming back to you with the Week 15 wrap-up. All right, so before we get started into the Week 15 matchups, we need to have a conversation and say congratulations to the two teams that finally passed the threshold of 2,000 points, and that's myself and my brother Jimmy. So we're the first two teams to pass 3,000 points, and we now sit here uh, vying for a point title. So right now I am only 12 points, 13 points behind Jimmy, um, and we sort of have a sprint out in front of a lot of people. The next highest point total is Alicia with 1,987. So my big week this week that over 200 points, and I got off that at a really hot start. My team sort of uh, sputtered out, which I'll talk about in the matchup later on uh, at the end of the week. But in the beginning, I was, I think, I had 100 points on Wednesday of this week. So it was really nice to see my team clicking on all cylinders. But point being, I'm right on the tail of the point title, which is an illustrious title, something I'm looking to get back to. I had it once in my uh, franchise history. So I'm looking forward to battling Jimmy throughout the remainder of July and August and early September to see if I can get my hands on that point title. Um, it's definitely interesting to see the points and how they compare to uh, the wins, and it's really tight, let's be honest. like I, I'm going to go through all the matchups one by one, but there's no denying the parity is more so than ever. And we're seeing some separation. You know, we had that log jam of uh, teams that were all 500. We're starting to see teams fall a little bit below, like we saw Greg fall to 6-9, and nine, and Nick obviously an obvious seller sitting at 5-10. and 10. 
but we still see a logjam with the eight and sevens and the seven and eights, and something has to change. You know, I've, there's going to be teams that don't make the playoffs, and they're going to be really disappointed because uh, maybe they feel like they should be there. But that's the luck of the draw, and I think it's a really it's a good commentary about uh, where we are out at as a league as far as uh, quality of managers go, and that's a credit to all you guys. So let's get right into the matchups from week 15, and like we talked about, it was a 10 day matchup. So we had the all-star break in between, so it feels like forever since we've had any results. Um, but we finally got them. Some of these were foregone conclusions from early on, like the first matchup we talked about, and that was myself and Bizzotta. So I moved to 8-7 and seven and scored 217.50 points, and I defeated Bizzotta, who fell to 7-8, and eight, who scored 149.50 points. Um, so Bizzotta scored the second lowest point total of the week, um... Next lowest was Nick. Uh, not Bizzotta's best week. He definitely has to little, be a little bit angry at the Dodgers and how they handled Mookie Betts because he wasn't able to make an appropriate move to possibly get an outfielder in there to stream if they put Mookie on the IL. So he had some roster issues. Um, but I, this thing by team was clicking on all cylinders, and it was really hard for him to come from behind. Um, so looking at the top contributors, and there's a lot of guys on here that had double-digit points, and really showed up this week for my team. Um, so specifically, Jose Abreu, uh, leading that White Sox surging offense, had 13.9 points. Jose Altuve had 12.45. Tim Anderson had 12.6. Tommy Pham, the resurgent Tommy Pham, has been awesome and definitely rewarding me for not dropping him early in the year despite my frustrations. If people remember, I think he had two hits going into the month of May, and... You know, there was all that controversy with that stabbing at the nightclub, and maybe he's not right, maybe his head's not in the game, but it seems like he's back in there, and I love him in that lineup. Uh, at this point, the Padres have an all-star at every position now that they traded for Adam Frazier. They are, you know, maybe not the leaders in the NL West, but I think they're going to get to the playoffs, and they're going to be a force to be reckoned with once they get in there because they're very, very dangerous, and I don't think they're done making moves. So that only helps Tommy Pham in that lineup. Mitch Hanniger, who I acquired about two weeks ago from Devin, had 20.65 points, and now he sits at 17th overall in points, and the show keeps on going on, and I feel, you know, I had the conversation with Devin when we were having the, the, the talks about the trade for Justin Turner and Mitch Hanniger, and having a conversation about, we feel regression's coming. All, this, all the stats say that regression's coming. His projections make him look like he's going to be returning to the player that we all know he is. But sometimes... The player's just the player, and it's getting late early, as Yogi Berra would say. And maybe Mitch Hanniger, this is just the year he broke out, and this is going to be the player he is. Or maybe next year he'll go back to the player he is, and I'll just be able to ride this out for the remainder of the year. I'm not sure. I'm hoping it continues. Um, it's not as if Justin Turner's not doing the same for Devin, so the deal looks pretty even at this point. We will see where we stand at the end of the year. Um, but right now the deal looked like it was something, I mean, I didn't want Mitch Hanniger, I'm going to be honest with you, because of the reason that it, there's something to be said about the name and the history and the, the talent on Seattle's team, and they have a lot in the minor leagues as well, they've, they've been shockingly good and shockingly exciting, so, and Mitch Hanniger is a big reason for that. Um, going back to my team, Randy Rosarina had 12.75. Trey Turner, who's been sort of circling with trade talks, which I'll get to that in a little bit. That's been interesting. Had 16.25 points. 
Not the best week for Adam Frazier, but I also had him on my bench for the majority of the week. Um, Max Scherzer, not great. He was scratched from one of his starts with an oblique injury, quote-unquote, but it seems like they were resting him. I thought there maybe it was a pending trade in place um, for the Nationals deciding whether they're going to sell or buy. Uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see if Max is dealt at the deadline. Um, I'm not sure how much they actually can get back for him because he would be a rental. Um, and a lot of money on that contract, so what team would be willing to make that deal? You know, that's a conversation to be had on its own. It, it definitely would be a uh, a tide turner because if Max Scherzer finds himself in, in a pennant race, the guy wants to win more than anything, let's be honest. The guy's a competitor, and you put him on a team that that is slotted to win or make a playoff push, I think he wants to be there, and if the Nationals are not going to be doing that, I think he'd approve a trade because, you know, in his contract, he has a no-trade clause. He can void any deal, but the competitor that he is, I think he'd want to be in a spot where he can win. And looking at some of the options, there are some options for him that really could use him, and it would be interesting to see. Some of the things I heard, uh, maybe Tampa Bay that want to replace Tyler Glass now, and they have the prospect pool to do it. Um, I don't think they would get rid of someone like Shane Baz, but... You know, Taylor Walls is there as well, and they have a depth of prospects that they're logjammed because you have young talent at every position. A lot of them are not going to be able to, to play, so you might as well make a make a deal to do it. I'm not saying I would, but they're a team that has sort of an embarrassment of riches that they could make it happen. So maybe Max Scherzer to the Rays. Um, it would be shocking and kind of weird to see him in that uniform, but I think they're the only team that really can give the Nationals something worthwhile for trading a player that really moves the needle for them. You trade Max Scherzer, uh, the rest of the season, tickets are going to struggle as far as sales go. Corbin Burns had 16.8 points, and it seems like he's back after uh, that lull after the uh, the sticky stuff was sort of a thing, and he seems like he's back into form. Um, where he sits in points is 95th overall in points. Um Josiah Gray, not great this week, but it was a nice glimpse into his future. He had two appearances. I wouldn't say starts. I think he started the Colorado game on the 25th, but he was removed after four. He only went four in both, in both outings, but he struck out 13 guys in eight innings. I mean, that's a glimpse into the, the, the stuff that he has. Pretty nasty. He gave up his share of runs. He gave, he gave up four earned in his first start, two in his second start. He walked a few guys, and control was a little bit questionable. But the stuff was nasty, and you see why the Dodgers love him. And he is their number one prospect as far as pitching goes. And I think the future is bright for that guy. And he could definitely play a huge role going in into the pennant, uh, the pennant race and also in the playoffs because who knows what's happening with Trevor Bauer. And you might need Josiah Gray if the Dodgers don't make a deal to get another starter in the pipeline. Other points... Uh, my closers looked okay. 7.7 .7 points from Kimbrell. He's a guy that definitely be on the move. The Cubs are definitely looking to move him because they're not competitive. It seems like the fire sale in Wrigley is happening right now. Aroldis Chapman sort of looked like he was back. Uh, he made me sweat it out a bit. He had a save against Boston um, on, I think that was Friday. Uh, he's made a few appearances in a row. He's given up, uh, I think, one earned run in his last five outings, so hopefully maybe the older Aroldis Chapman's back. The control seems to be an issue. The velocity's still there. Um, I definitely bought low on him. He was another guy that I mentioned that I acquired in that Hanniger and Justin Turner trade. 
Um, other guys, Luis Castillo has been awesome the last few starts. Um, and another guy who's rewarded my patience, him and Tommy Pham, were the bane of my existence in April and May. And now, don't look now, but let's see how many starts he's had quality starts. So in his last 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 outings, he has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 quality starts. So it looks like the old Castillo's back, and he's another guy potentially that's always rumored to be moved. The Reds are not as competitive as they maybe thought they would be this year, and he'd be an interesting acquisition for a team in the playoff push. And I wonder what he could be able to get with a team-friendly uh, contract in tow. So Luis Castillo would be interesting as well, and I wonder what his value would change as, depending on the team he goes to. But he could be a difference maker if a team wants to acquire him. Um, this, But that affects fantasy value, which is the most interesting part about all of this, is that you have guys that are in spots that maybe they're comfortable, maybe their value is at one point, but if they move to a different spot, when you look at the Adam Frazier deal, now we're questioning... I mean, Adam Frazier had his playing time guaranteed in Pittsburgh. And yeah, they weren't competitive. And we were talking about his move to maybe the White Sox. I guess that was the most obvious fit. Could change the trajectory of what he'd be doing. So, like, obviously, if you're batting behind uh, Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu in that Chicago lineup and you're going to be playing every day because you're playing second base, yeah, the production would be increased. But look at the San Diego. Where exactly is Adam Frazier going to be playing? Is he playing first for Hosmer? Is he playing second for Cronenworth? Is he going to be a utility player that they just play, plug and play when they need to? If it's going to be the latter, you're going to have an issue as far as fantasy goes. So Adam Frazier immediately has less value to me because of that fact. And I'm going to be honest. I mean, I've been trying to trade him, and he's been a valuable piece all year for me. But sometimes, you know, the Padres are not thinking about fantasy baseball. Either is Adam Frazier, and that's obvious why would they they're trying to win a world series but and he is a valuable piece off the bench but it completely cuts his production in half and i think that limits uh maybe the projections for the remainder of the year and that could be troubling for me i mean right now he's on my bench but he was someone that's definitely helped me make a, a push towards the playoffs after a really slow start uh looking at Bazada's team um some great offensive production from matt olson Scope and Arenado, nice chunk of points. 14.75 from Olsen, 14.85 from Scope. Arenado had 12.25 points. Um, some troubling numbers here. I mean, Adolis Garcia had two points from him. I saw he scooped up Robbie Grossman, so he had him for a few days. So not going to look at his point total, but I'm glad someone finally picked up Robbie Grossman. I feel like I've been mentioning him week to week as the example of what the quality is on the waiver wire compared to uh, from offense to pitching. Uh, Pitching-wise, Rodon looked great for him and continues to look great. Walker Buehler looked great. But real troubling for Bazada is Kevin Gausman had a, had a tough outing. Kenley Jansen looks like he is lost. I mean, he's sort of caught the whatever, the bug that Aroldis Chapman had. Jansen blow, blew, I think, three straight saves. Yep, three straight saves. And the Dodgers as a team blew four straight save opportunities. So Jansen finished with negative 4.2 points, and that's just awful. Um, other questions Bazada have have to have to circle around John Means. He just came back for the IL. Maybe he's building up the shoulder again and trying to get the you know get him stretched out. But without the sticky stuff, and I know a lot of guys were saying that the spin rate has helped and has increased in John Means' game. 
So that's definitely resulted in uh, better quality of his pitches. Um, but now he's not allowed to use that. And the spin rate is suspiciously down. It's not like he's just down because he's not able to um, you know, work his arm up to a different point. It's suspiciously low to the point where you can almost assume he was using some foreign substance to do it. Um, so that's something to watch as well. And you know that sort of sucks for Baltimore because they had a piece that maybe they could have moved uh, to get a nice little package back to reinvigorate their farm system um, and get some nice prospects in there and maybe move John Means to a, uh, a contender. And I don't think that's the case anymore because I know everyone is noticing the lack of sp uh, the lack of spin rate and also the lack of production from John Means in his last two starts back. Uh, but looking at Bazada's team, sitting at seven and eight. He made the appropriate deals to get there, and I think he will be absolutely fine. He, right now, he's sitting outside of a playoff spot, but that doesn't mean that he'll be there and outside of a playoff spot at the end of the year. I will make my predictions about where I feel like the playoff teams will be when Travis comes on because I'm going to have a conversation with him about that. Um, it was just a down week from Bazada, truly, and no matter what he did, I think it's a good week to have a down week if you want to like sort of put a positive spin on it. You know, he could have had a great week, but he ran into a buzzsaw of my team. My team was clicking on all cylinders, and sometimes that happens. And I think he'd be more disappointed if you went out there and threw up a 200 spot or 210 spot and lost, and you would have beat every other team. So he had a down week. He looks to get back after it this week. Um, he'll, he finally has sort of closure on the Mookie situation. They popped him on the aisle so he can make the appropriate move. He'll face Greg, who's fresh off a loss as well. And we'll see if he can get back on the uh, back on the grind. But if Bizzotta loses and falls to seven and nine, he, he you know categorically said he was not selling. So does that mindset shift if he falls to seven and nine? And I can hear his voice right now saying it doesn't change my mind at all because I have the guys I want to build around. And yeah, I mean he acquired Walker Bueller, and you can you can keep Walker Bueller, and he is young enough to look forward to the future. You know, minus the fact that his the draft spot is the first overall, or whatever wherever you're picking your first overall pick, um, he is a great piece to build around, and you know that's that's been driving the conversation between Devin and myself on the last podcast about Nick's moves and why he didn't want to build around Acuna or Walker and the ceilings of Adley Rushman and Bobby Witt and all those guys. So, um, and I know Bobby Witt went to Greg, but that's a different story. At the same time, there is a huge divide um, between the point totals, but not the wins. So despite myself and Jimmy having a huge increase of points over the rest of the teams in the league, there's really only your two-game losing streak away from falling deep in a hole and out of a playoff spot. So quickly you can drop out of the four spot all the way down to the eighth spot if you have a losing streak, so you have to continue to stack the wins. and. Um, the season is uh, coming up to the end. It'll be here before you know it. I'm not wishing summer away, but I am looking forward to the playoffs for sure. And it's going to be exciting. I think Pizzotta's team will be 100% okay. But um, it just was a tough week for him. But I guess this is the week that you'd want a tough week. Because, like I said, playing the team that scores the most points, um, sometimes it sucks to just lose and and score more points than everybody else. I don't want to take a moral victory away. So you got to believe in the law of averages. I think his team will put up the points that they typically put up next week, and he'll be back in his winning ways back to 500. That's my prediction. 
All right, moving on to the second matchup between Perrier uh, and Devin. So Devin moved to 7-8, and eight, scored 197.20 points, defeated Perrier, scored 183.70. And this matchup was close all week, went back and forth. Devin floated with two no-hitters. Uh, it was a great matchup, probably the matchup of the week, if I'm like thinking at it out loud. They were going back and forth in the chat, which was cool to see. They were both very nervous going into Sunday. Devin pulled away at the, the, the last two days, uh, but it wasn't without Perrier's um, best effort to get there. So looking at Devin's team, in two weeks, Sal Perez had 12.9 points, Anthony Rizzo 11 points, Eduardo Escobar 10.65 points, DJ LeMayhew 4.5, Trevor Story, who's been uh, the eye of a lot of uh, trade conversations, 6.3 points, George Springer, who made that crazy catch over the weekend, 12.65 points, Starlin Marte, 16.7 points, and he's another guy who could be traded, so Devin's team could look a lot different as far as where these guys are playing. Justin Turner, who I talked about with the trade, 14.8 points. Giolito had that complete game, so that really carried Devin, 16.75 points. Um, what else on Devin's team? Sean Manaya, who he acquired via trade two, had 12.20 points in two starts. So he had that really good outing against Seattle last time out with 9.90 points. He's been a nice acquisition. I saw he picked up uh, Ryan Yarborough, and he's a nice, solid piece. He had a really good outing against Cleveland. But with the Rays, he's one of those pieces that doesn't go out there and pitch um, long periods of time. So him going seven was sort of shocking. He usually goes like four or five because they like to piece it together when he's pitching. Uh, the other guy, he almost got a no-hitter or a complete game. From Patrick Sandoval, eight point eight and two thirds, ten point three five points, thirteen K. So he looked great. Um, but yeah, Devin's team put it together to just squeak by Parrier. And I think if Devin would have lost, it'd been devastating to his playoff chances. Because similar to Bizarre, I think you, each win counts in a huge way. And I think Devin would have been really upset with his team if they would have lost. And uh, Perrier moves to eight and seven. He's still in the division lead because Alicia lost, and we'll talk about her matchup in a second. So he's a game up in the division uh, behind Devin, with Devin and Alicia trailing him and and Bizzotta. So really, you can be moved from the eighth seed to the two seed just like that. If the right circumstances happen, you you continue to win. That's how close it is. That's why it's sort of shocking that Nick pulled the plug so quickly. Because you have to wonder, I mean, you go on a win streak, it looks like these teams are going to be tight into the end. The fact that there's only one game separating four teams on division is, you know, it's nerve-wracking. It has to be for Perrier, and I know he wants the division title, so um, he's going to have to really ward off a lot of the, the guys that are on his tail. And it's definitely going to be interesting going into uh, the final weeks of the season. For Perrier's team, the big point producers, Pete Alonzo had a great 10 days, 18.35 points. Um, Kyle Tucker, 13.25. I see that he picked up Rich Hill, who was the nice acquisition from the Mets. He didn't have his best outing against Toronto. Let's see. Pitching-wise, also, Desclafani, 7.6 7 points. Wade Miley, 7.55. But he's, right now, we talked about in the in the opener about the the injuries and voting for the six IL spots. 
Perry is definitely someone that will do that. Right now he has he's littered with injuries. He's got Grindal, Crawford, um, Manoa, Eflin, Kershaw, uh, Rogers from Miami. All those guys are hurt. I mean, you got Carrasco who's coming back now, so you, at least you got guy in the, a guy in the other direction coming back. I saw he had to drop Noah because of the roster room. So Perrier has to weather this storm, and I, I talked about this, and it's been sort of made fun of by some managers, but the many paths um, to, to victory, I think Devin and I agree that I think Perrier has the, the, the most tracks to victory because of the way his team is constructed, and a lot can change in 10 days or 7 days because we're seeing that right now with all the injuries. Perrier now sits here riddled by injuries, but that can be fixed in just two short weeks and maybe his team will be perfect for the the playoff push. But he has to get there because all of a sudden if you don't, if you lose a few matchups in a row, you go from division leader to just out of the playoffs like that. So these are must wins for him. I think he has to really... Um, navigate these these waters. I think every team has done it so far this year. You have situations where you have a lot of injuries. Maybe you have spurts of time where everyone is healthy. But everyone goes through this year, and this happens to be the time that Perry is going through it. And he's definitely going to have to figure out a way to just make it work until these guys come back. Now the real question is when we vote on August 1st, which is coming up, August 1st is next Sunday, when we make that vote for the IL slots and say for a win, he's going to have to make really, really tough choices about dropping some guys because where are you putting them? So he's either going to have to like keep the quality that is there on his IL. Like You're not going to drop Manoa. I don't think you would. You're not going to drop Eflin. I don't think you would. You can't drop Rodgers from Miami. So who is he going to sort of figure? I mean, you're not going to drop Crawford. You're not going to drop Grandal. So if we go to four IL slots, he really has to hope the six wins to keep his roster intact because even with all the injuries, it's going to be even hard for him, even with six slots, to figure it out. So that will be something to watch. If that wins, as Devin has been forcing it, I think he's been lobbying, lobbying since the beginning of had to be May that we should go back to four because COVID's not an issue. And it is, it, it, it still is. I mean, we saw the Yankees get, get ravaged. They have their triple a team up at, uh, in the Bronx now, which judge hasn't played in two weeks because of it. So it does have its effects, but for the most part, the injuries are due to muscle strains, oblique things, rest, all that stuff. And I'm curious to see if the trend continues because each time we vote at the beginning of the month, it goes I think it, it increases by one vote each time to move it back to four. So will this be the month we move back to four? I mean, I hope, Perrier has to hope it's not. Because if it is, he really has to can fix his roster and quickly and make some really, really tough decisions. I saw he made a tough decision dropping Noah and Jimmy scooped him up with a waiver priority. Um, I know that had to be tough for Perrier to let him go. Speaking of Jimmy, let's move on to his matchup. He moved to 8-7, and seven, scoring 182 points, defeated Nick, who dropped to 5-10, and 10, 118 points. And Nick's on his free fall, so not much to talk about his team right now. He's looking forward to next year. He will play spoiler in some capacity. I know he's going to play his hardest, but his roster just doesn't have enough talent on it to really compete with the teams that are at the upper echelon, and Jimmy's team is. As you talk about from week to week, Jimmy was the 
number one overall team ranked in the power ranking. Jimmy is a quality championship contender. And with the depth, especially over the course of 10 days, it's going to be hard for a team like Knicks, who, who was ravaged by vultures um, throughout the trade talks and all that, it's going to be hard for him to compete. And it will be hard for him to compete for the remainder of the year. And listen, I mean, there will be a week that maybe he plays a team that has a down week and he steals a win. And that's what we want. I mean, I hope it doesn't happen to me this week, but Nick is a competitive manager where he's definitely going to pick up streamers. He's still figuring out a way to have, field the best team possible, but he has an eye towards next year, which is fine. Um, so a lot, of the, a lot of the guys on his team, a lot of single-digit points. 119 points is not, I mean, over the course of two weeks, I mean, or 10 days, it's not a great output for him. But, um, again, Jimmy put this away pretty early, and Jimmy's team, the, the main contributors, um, we had Cronenworth with 17.4 points. Who don't look now, he's 22 overall in points, and who would have thought? Cronenworth is someone that I think no one really had on their radar. Like we, Even in the beginning of the year, he's one of those names that it's not sexy, it's not the Tatis, it's not Hosmer. It's You thought maybe those guys would be the, the apple of everybody's eyes from the Padres and who would be contributing towards uh, their, their push towards the playoffs. Cronenworth is a huge piece of the lineup. I'm trying to see where Jimmy drafted him or picked him up and looking at his player history. So Jimmy added him on March 20th, so not drafted. So, But he's been with Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy dropped him on the 8th and then picked him right back up. So I think he's been going since then. And a great year for Cronenworth. And like I talked about, too, during the segment about my matchup with Adam Frazier, with all, these, all the talent that's on the San Diego roster, where is Adam Frazier playing every day? He's not going to take Cronenworth's spot. I mean, maybe you make Hosmer a bench player, but that's tough because the veteran leadership, I don't know, like you're paying him a lot of money to be sitting on the bench. They, you know, they have to find a way to make it work. But as far as fantasy goes, the playing time may not be there as much as you would want it to be uh, for a guy like Adam Frazier, who is, who's been a very valuable piece for Pittsburgh. Um, Looking at the rest of Jimmy's output for the week, he got the first look into Nelson Cruz in a Tampa Bay out, uh, uniform. And that was a huge lift for someone like Nelson Cruz who moves from the the twins that are struggling and offensively sort of inept, moves to a nice clicking offense uh, in Tampa Bay. And he already showed what he had. I mean, July on July 25th against Cleveland, he hit his first home run as a... Oh, July 23rd, he hit his first home run as a Ray and then followed it up on Sunday with another home run. So Nelson Cruz is going to be a huge problem for the AL East going forward and a huge problem for teams playing the Rays. He just definitely makes that lineup longer. And I love the deal. And anytime you trade with the Rays, too, I said this in the chat, you feel like you're getting the, the worst end of the stick. Just the way I look at it. It's hard for me to feel any other different until I see the facts because... You know, they gave up their prospects, but they didn't give top-of-the-line prospects. And Minnesota's the, – the funny part is Tampa's uh, prospect pool is so deep that these guys immediately jump up to the top of the list in the Twins prospect pool because just of the talent and the, the deep nature of their of their pool of in their AAA system because they just draft well, they scout well, and they're the model franchise. And, you know, despite being a – rival of the Yankees and put fandom aside he is someone that well they are a team that does it right and they figure out a way to get it done 
with limited resources, and they sort of embarrass other teams. So you know, look look at what they what they do with such a limited shoestring budget, and compare what they do with uh, what the Yankees do, and look at the underachieving teams in the league. So Nelson Cruz is a welcome addition to Tampa Bay's lineup, and it will definitely change for the better for Jimmy's um, for Jimmy's team because like I think that will definitely boost. And also motivate Nelson Cruz. I mean, he's an older player, so he starts to wear down at the end of the year. He's 40-plus. He's someone that is definitely going to be rejuvenated being around all that young talent in Tampa Bay. What else can you say about Otani? Another nine points. That was sort of a down week for him, but I think he's sitting at 35 home runs now, and Shohei has been remarkable. He's the go-away favorite right now for the AL MVP, so we're looking forward to that. And Jimmy's definitely keeping Otani. He got him late, late. So, great scoop by Jimmy. And Jimmy's just had a great year. Like I talked about, he is a well-rounded team. I think he still is sort of looking for that deal to put him over the top. But he doesn't want to make the wrong deal and make a deal just to make a deal. I know he's been shopping a lot of players. And there's still conversations as we get closer to the August 12th deadline. I know Jimmy's going to be looking to make at least one more deal. But he has some guys coming back, too. The other thing about Jimmy's team, he has guys coming back to his his team, you got Eloy, who thought was thought to be lost for the year, is joining an already explosive offense. He's in the lineup tonight. So that, um, as I'm recording right now, it's 7.48 p.m. Uh, the White Sox are playing Kansas City in Kansas City at 8.10. So we'll see Eloy's first at bat, and I'll let you guys know how it goes when I'm on here. Right now I'm watching the Phillies and the Nationals right now. Um, so Eloy will be huge in that offense, and he also has a guy like Corey Seager coming back from – from his broken or a fractured hand, so a lot of depth on Jimmy's team. Don't don't even don't even forget about Alex Bregman too, who is starting his AAA rehab assignment. So a lot of talent on Jimmy's team, and he's another guy that might have to make some room to get guys uh, back into his lineup and make tough decisions. And that's sort of what you want because you want to boost you want to boost up the waiver wire and get a lot of talent on there. We don't want too much talent out there unrostered, but. We want to make it that like you have some impact players out there that people can't just the word's not hoard but hold on to these players. Um, and I, I see Devin's point and his his arguments and his perspective has definitely changed how how I felt about the six IL slots. You know, to me, I think it was a necessary thing we had to do going forward with all the COVID stuff. But now that it sort of has just been injuries. We have some guys that are rostered um, that are just hurt, and I think those tough decisions make leagues more competitive, and it sucks. I've had to drop players that I didn't want to drop, but that's what separates the managers, the good ones from the great ones. So we have to figure out a way um, and see where it goes, because if we have the vote and four wins, that goes into effect immediately, and I want to make sure that's clear with everybody. So if we vote on 8-1 and that wins, by 8-2 you have to get your roster back in order or Yahoo won't let you set your your lineup the right way. So you're going to have to drop two players if you have six on the IL. So, I mean, that's the nature of a democracy-driven league that we're going to be voting on it. And this has sort of been the conversation month to month, so it's not going to catch anybody by surprise. But just making everybody aware, I just don't want there to be any sort of sour grapes about if it wins, we're going to have to make a move. 
Um, and I do feel bad for the teams that are really riddled with injuries, but um, we got the, we're going to see tough decisions being made, like Perry dropping Noah. But, yeah, Jimmy is continues to move on. I mean, I, I honestly think Jimmy should be better than 8-7. and seven. He's had some real tough luck losses, and I still believe Jimmy's my favorite to win a championship. And I think he's the, the best team in the league, and he's only getting better. I think he could really use one more pitcher. I don't know where he's going to get that pitcher from, but he definitely can use one more. So I think he has to see if there's anyone willing to potentially take any of these guys. I mean, especially Bregman um, or maybe Seager or Javi Baez. One of the, like If someone wants to build around those young players, I mean, that's the obvious choice because they're just extra on Jimmy's explosive offense. I mean, so we'll see what Jimmy does. It'll be It's going to be very, very hard for him not to make a deal because he wants to keep pace. But if he stayed pat the way he is now, I still think he has a chance to win a championship. But he can really, really cement um, and leverage his team to get there by making the right deal. But he has to be careful not to make the wrong deal. As we'll talk to Travis about his deal that he made. Maybe he feels like it's the wrong deal he made for Trout. He'll be joining me in about probably like a half hour or so. It may not be half hour record time, but in a half hour, like around 8.30, he'll be hopping on with me, so I'll have that segment for you guys following this. Moving on to Karen and Alicia. So Karen joined the 200 club. She was the only other person that scored 200 points, 200 plus points. So Karen had 201.70, beat Alicia with 193.50, so not a bad week for Alicia, especially for a team that has no pitching. So her offense continues to slug teams to death. I mean, she got... Look at Alicia's team right now, offensively. She got 22.70 points from Juan Soto, 12.85 from Bo Bichette, 14.7 from Vlad Jr., 12.55 from Ozzy Albies, 14.80 from Rafi Devers. Pitching-wise, her best pitching was Lance McCullers this week, had 10.80 points. And if he can go out there and do what he did against the White Sox, where he went seven strong, um, he didn't have his best outing against Cleveland on the 21st. Pitching again tomorrow night, so we'll see if he can continue it against Seattle. Um, but otherwise, pitching, I mean, Sonny Gray had negative points for her. Jacob DeGrom still continues to be heard. Madison Bumgarner, she picked up. He had decimals of a point. So she's going to, she seems like she's going with the route that she's going to try to slug teams to death with no pitching. And I think that's an issue because hitters get cold and pitchers are reliable points because you get the K's. If you have aces on your team, they're, even if they don't pitch well, a lot of them get K's, and that can really add up over time. So when you have a long bench of offense, and I, I'm beating a dead horse, I have this conversation every single week, it's really hard because looking at her team, she has, I mean, the best offense going away. So if, she, if she's clicking on all cylinders from week to week, offensively she can kill you. But pitching-wise, she just can't hang. So she's going to have to make a deal for a pitcher and make the right deal. But she has to be willing to give up one of those talented guys. Because like, the way I look at it, too, and I just want to go into it for one second. I don't want to steer too far off of the path that we're having a conversation about with the matchup. You have to understand that if you look at players in a vacuum. So Max Muncie, for example, he's 25th overall in points. I think what you need to do to sort of compare Max Muncy because 
pitchers and hitters right now are apples and oranges. You can't compare them. Their production is just relative to their position. So Max Muncy is 25th overall in points. That's with everybody. I think what you need to do is put Max Muncy and sort him by where does he rank throughout all position players. And then take a pitcher and rank him where does that pitcher rank among all pitchers. And I think you'll have a fair understanding and a perspective on what would be a fair deal for Max Muncy. If that makes sense. Because despite, for example, I know the early conversations I had with her were about Kyle Hendricks, and he's got hot, so I do not want to trade him anymore. I'm using this as an example. Kyle Hendricks is 138th overall in points. So, and Max Buncey's 25th overall in points. So just by on the surface value, it's like, that is it. I'm getting ripped off. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to look at Kyle Hendricks. I'm pulling up the Yahoo page right now. And I'm going to tell you exactly where he ranks among all pitchers. So Kyle Hendricks, I'm sorting right now, and you guys can do this on the... It's better on the the desktop version, but you could do it on the actual um, app, which is, you know, your choice. So I'm ranking based off of... So I'm going to find Hendricks. And I just sorted by all pitchers. Hendricks is the... 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. He is the tw- actually it's crazy. He's the twenty fifth overall ranked pitcher, so that would be a completely fair deal. That's the best value you're going to be able to get for a Max Muncy. But even taking a pitcher below him, so say you're offered someone like healthy Jose Barrios, he's like thirty fifth overall points. He would be a fair deal for someone like Max Muncy too. Or Dylan Cease, who's a little bit below that. But if you look at their player cards and where they rank as far as overall points, Jose Brios is 174th overall. So it's like you look at that raw number and be like, nah, he's not even close to what Max Muncy gives me. But in comparison to the pitching, he's right there. If not more valuable than what Muncy's giving you. So I hope that makes sense. I mean, that's the way I look at it when I make deals. You're never going to find the perfect match of like someone's going to give up their 25th, 26th overall ranked pitcher for a 25th overall player. It's not going to happen because it's just not there. The value is different. Because we talked about Robbie Grossman's on the waiver wire. The best players on the, ra- the waiver wire are completely different than the best pitchers on the waiver wire. I mean, right now we have, I mean, it's a little bit thinner, but we also have a guy like Cesar Hernandez who's 65th overall in points. 65th overall in points, and he's like on a really bad Cleveland team compared to the a pitcher that's ranked 65th overall, I mean, that's like Max Scherzer. I'm going to get the exact number, but Scherzer is a guy that is 100th ranked in points. So, like, that gives you the perspective. And wouldn't you kill for Max Scherzer? I mean, yeah. All right. Sorry about that rant going off on a tangent. Moving on to the last matchup. Well, let me go through Karen's team first. That's not fair because Karen had a really good week. Will Smith, or Bob Smith, as she, or Bill Smith, <laughs> Bob Smith, uh, Billy Smith, 18.45 points. He's been great for her. Great production from the catcher position. He's sort of returning to form about where maybe she thought what she was getting from him when she drafted him. So great production from Will Smith. 
Glaber Torres had a better week, 13.75 points, and maybe he's turning back into the player we thought he was. Maybe he's he's turning back into Glaber Torres, and Brandon Crawford is going to turn back into Brandon Crawford. Chris Taylor, 19.05 points. Teoscar Hernandez continues his great year. Uh, he had uh, 16.50 points. Pitching-wise, uh, Ryu had a great week for her. Had that complete game in the... Uh, the seven inning double header against Texas. So little tidbit, I know everybody knows this at this point's week it's gonna it's week sixteen. Stream pitchers against Texas and Detroit. That's I mean, an obvious thing right now and Ryu, it's like the best antidote to fix a guy who's struggling. Ryu Ryu looked lost for a bit there, and you put him right there against a bad, bad Texas lineup and he figures it out and gets eighteen points for Karen. So uh, awesome out for you for Ryu. Charlie Morton at 11.45 points. Uh, Zach Wheeler continues to be awesome. He is great, and I think he is – he definitely – I mean, if DeGrom doesn't come back and pitch the appropriate innings, he could be the NL Cy Young. He's been that good. You got a guy like Corbin Burns there and all that, but Wheeler has been unbelievable. So Wheeler, what a great pickup from Karen. Um, the one thing I do question, I think she did drop – Ian happened. I was wondering why she was rostering him for the longest time. Because he's just sucked. Like, and same thing with Ben Intendi. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe she's looking at numbers that I'm not looking at and projections that I'm not looking at. But Ben Intendi, he just looks lost. And he, like, I don't know. Like, there's better options out there. But she continues to roll with those guys. And she did drop Ian Happ. So I'll, I'll leave it there. I was going to, like, talk about Ian Happ. But. Benintendi's 158th overall in points, and like you can get way more value for um, a left fielder or a center fielder out there. I mean, you can throw Teoscar in the center field slot and find a left fielder. I mean, she could have Robbie Grossman. I know, I, like, I feel like I have a love affair at Robbie Grossman, but looking at the best guy out there, I mean, Hunter Renfro's 69th overall, and then Adam Duvall's right there as well, who's 75th. So that's almost 100 point, 100 spots in between. Uh, ben Intendi and those players. Like, Duvall has 104 points, and Ben Intendi, let's see how many points Ben Intendi has as I'm navigating the app. Um, ben Intendi has 80 points, so that's like 24. That's a lot of points. So, I don't know. I'm not here to doubt the champ. She won last year, so maybe the grand, maybe she sees something in Ben Intendi that I don't know. Maybe she, he'll be the reason she wins a, uh, a back to back championship. But great week from her. She moves to 8-7, and seven, and there were some troubling times ahead for her, and people disrespected her on the power rankings and ranked her pretty low. Um, but she definitely had a statement week there, and she's going to be trying to climb the whistle like Jim Division and get back into the playoff push um, more you know, deeper, obviously. She's right now sitting in a playoff position, but I think she wants to secure a position with another win this week, and it's going to be tough. All right, let's move on to the last matchup. Last matchup is Travis and Greg. So Travis won, and this was super tight um, to the end. So Travis, he moved to 11-4, and four, scored 172.25 points, and Greg scored 168.80 points. So just to give you guys some insight into uh, the stress that this causes, Travis was we were on our way home from Atlantic City this weekend, and Travis was following the game in a different car. So he calls me and tells me Nola was about to go complete game. Girardi brought so Nola had 108 pitches going into the eighth, out of the eighth inning. So starting the ninth, for whatever reason, Girardi decided like you know what, let him pitch. So they they didn't pinch hit for him. 
So obviously Travis got the juices going a little bit. And they bring him out there. He gets the first two outs pretty easily. Gives up a home run with two outs, and Girardi gives him the hook. And they take him out, eight and two-thirds. And that almost, that was a ten-point swing because not only did he lose the complete game, he lost the shutout, and that could have buried Greg from the, from the beginning. But he had to sweat out Sunday Night Baseball where Lance Lynn pitched against the Brewers, who's, who are not a great lineup. So easily, Greg could have had a win if like Lance Lynn did anything special. And Lance Lynn pitched well. I mean, he went six strong at a quality start to win. It just wasn't enough to get him over the hump, and he lost by decimals of a point. And Greg falls to six and nine, which he did semi-sell. There's still a lot of talent on Greg's team. A lot, a lot of talent, especially in the offense. So... We'll see where Greg goes from here. I think he has to be sort of looking to next year, but want to be competitive. He's definitely going to be more competitive than, say, Nick was because he didn't sell off all his pieces. And you have to wonder if he's going to be trading a guy like Lance Lynn. You know, maybe he'll trade someone like like Plesak, guys that he's not going to keep. And they're not huge pieces. I mean, Lance Lynn has been really good. But at the same time, he's not keeping them, so why even have them on your roster? You might as well get one of those prospects. Because right now he has Bobby Witt, Riley Green, and then Shane Boz. And like I guess maybe you want to keep Cade Cavalli, but maybe you can upgrade the NA spot and get someone better. So that would be how you do it. You trade someone like Lance Lynn um, and go from there. And like I could see an obvious, an obvious match would be Jimmy, who was unwilling to trade Hunter Green. Maybe he he recedes and says, you know what? I'll give you Hunter Green, the stud pitcher from Cincinnati, if you give me Lance Lynn. I think that's the perfect deal for both teams. But, you know, if I'm playing matchmaker, that's exactly the deal I make if I'm both teams. So, if we at the start of this week, as the games are kicking off right now, and Travis will be joining me quickly, playoff teams... At the start of week 15, so the number one seed is Travis. Number one two, The number two seed is Perrier because the division leads are, as of right now, they both would have buys. So remember, the both, the, despite the fact that other teams have more points and more wins than Perrier, he's still the second seed. And no matter what, the Adele Hunter division will have a division. Uh, the division winner will have a buy. Jimmy's the third seed. I'm the fourth seed. Karen's the fifth seed. And right now, Alicia is the sixth seed, holding on for dear, dear life. But how long will she be there? Uh, as a reminder, power rankings will be week 20. So that's four weeks from now, five weeks from now. And it'll be the last one of the regular season. So that will be, you know, we'll have a clear picture about who the playoff teams are, maybe. I mean, if people start to separate each other. And as of this week, the matchups for this week me at 8 and 7, I'm taking on Nick at 5 and 10. So Nick trying to play spoiler and get me back to 500. I'm trying to move to two games over 500 for the first time in this season, really. Perrier is at 8 and 7. Alicia versus Alicia is at 7 and 8. Devin at 7 and 8 will face Jimmy at 8 and 7. Karen at 8 and 7 will face Travis at 11 and 4. So a sibling, sibling matchup. Um, and Greg at 6 and 9 will take on Bazaar at 7 and 8. A real must win for... Both teams really, but mostly for Bazada because at least Greg has his eye on next year. So I think Bazada really has to get back in there. Sitting at seven and nine, it's only five weeks left. I know the parity is there, and there's a lot of teams that aren't having a difficult time separating each other. He wants to keep pace and he wants to 
uh, get back to his winning ways after losing last week. So that's it for the week uh, The week wrap-up. I'll be returning to you in a second with the injury report, and then I have some questions for Travis when he joins me. All right, here we are with the injuries, and I know everyone hates to hear about them, but we have to talk about them. And they are definitely affecting our league among, uh, obviously, the actual Major League Baseball and the playoff race there. So let's start with the hometown Mets. So Francisco Lindor, Jacob deGrom, Carlos Carrasco, and Jeff McNeil. These guys, let's all talk about all of them. Lindor will need four to six weeks to heal from a right oblique strain, according to Mets general manager Zach Scott. That should put Lindor on track for a return around the third or fourth week of August. All i got to say is, thank God I traded him. Jose Abreu has been a godsend, and I don't know where I'd be right now if I didn't have him, and I was battling this whole issue with Lindor. Um, that's all I'll say about that. DeGrom threw off a mound Sunday for the first time since going to the I.L. with right forearm tightness. Um, after a first, um, we don't know like if he's going to be okay and come, come off. It seems like that's been the... The rhythm, like he goes on the IL, comes back a few uh, when he's eligible, first eligible, and then he goes back on probably two weeks later. So we'll see if DeGrom can come back healthy, and I think Alicia's team is depending on it, as are the Mets. The Mets are right in the thick of it, obviously, with the division lead, and it's not the the win total you want, but, you know, they're right now in a division lead, so they have the opportunity to do something special this year, and they need Jacob to do it. Um, about Carlos Carrasco... Uh, after a rough first rehab appearance with AAA Syracuse, Carrasco threw three shutout innings with six strikeouts on Sunday. Although he fired only 38 pitches, it's possible Carrasco's next appearance could come in the big league. So Perrier made the appropriate move. It looks like he should be back. And Perrier's the one bright spot of all these injuries is someone finally came back from. So he is another piece that Travis traded away in the Woodruff deal. So we're going to see really how desperately... Perrier, uh, well, how desperately Travis is going to be hoping that Carrasco is not as good as maybe Woodruff was because I think Travis could definitely use the pitching from Carrasco and we'll see how good he is coming back for the Mets. And this will be his first appearance for the Mets, so it's going to be a uh, must-see TV. Jeff McNeil left a game in Cincinnati on Wednesday due to muscle fatigue and was still feeling the effects of it over the weekend. The Mets hope to have him back in the lineup uh, for one of Monday's doubleheader games against the Braves. He's been sort of a disappointment this year. Uh, I think you're expecting Whit Merrifield type of production, and you're not really getting it, and it's been disappointing. Moving on to Max Scherzer, I know I alluded to it before, but I felt as if he was a team, a guy that was circling with the trade talks. Maybe they don't, maybe they didn't want to risk injury and start him, and maybe I thought there was a trade pending. Uh, but they said he had right triceps discomfort. He threw a, pull, a bullpen session at Citizens Bank Park. Today, I'm actually watching the Phillies and the Nats right now, and they were showing him pitch. He looked okay. Uh, he expects to make he expects to make his next start on um, after being scratched on Saturday. So it seems like he'll be pitching Thursday because the Nationals um, are making the appropriate roster moves to do so. Um, but we will see what happens with Max because if he gets traded, that's a huge, 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 huge deal for everyone involved. As far as Mike Trout goes, and I will be having this conversation with Travis, Trout has been running the bases and taking bat in practice before games, but still feel still feels something in his right calf while running hard. Once the Angels return home from their road trip, Trout will undergo further testing to determine when he'll begin his rehab assignment. So, not great news, especially with the Angels not playing good baseball 
why would they risk putting their franchise player out there if he's not feeling right? So Travis has to be crossing his fingers that Trout comes back um, and comes back healthy. Uh, for the Dodgers, we got Mookie Betts was placed on the 10-day IL finally. He was put on the IL yesterday due to a right hip inflammation, but he hasn't played since July 19th. So like we talked about, it gets frustrating when teams refuse to put guys on the IL when they're not playing and leaving them with the day-to-day tag. It's so infuriating. So Bizzotta dealt with that this week, and I know how uh, mad that, that makes managers. And it's just, just put them on there already. Um, as far as Clayton Kershaw goes, so day after he tossed around 30 pitches in a bullpen session, Kershaw played catch on the outfield grass at Dodger Stadium on Sunday. Kershaw will throw a simulated game tomorrow in San Francisco as he continues his rehab process. So Perrier is hoping he can get back too and add to an already deep pitching staff. And if he gets Kershaw back and Carrasco comes back the right way and then Chris Sale comes back, we could be dealing with a juggernaut going into the playoffs. Cody Bellinger remained out of the starting lineup on Sunday, but appeared as a pinch hitter and grounded out in the seventh inning. Seventh inning, so he's looks like he's on his way back. He's been stymied with injuries all year, and it's been so frustrating. We talked about this during Jimmy's matchup. Eloy Jimenez, who missed the entire season after tearing his left pectoral muscle during spring training, was activated on the IL, and he will be playing tonight. He's in the lineup for the White Sox. Uh, Yasmani Grandel, another Perrier guy who's hurt, said Saturday he is progressing well following surgery to repair a torn tendon in his left knee. Grandel tore the tendon while checking his swing during a July 5th plate appearance. He did not provide a specific date for his return to the lineup, but he said he hopes to be back in action sometime this month. So if he can get there too, that's another guy you can add to the, the deep Perrier roster, and this is part of the paths to get to a championship. Uh, Cattell Marte. He's been on and off the aisle all year as well. He's a stud player, but he can't stay healthy this year. He has a strained left hamstring, and he will see some game action with the Arizona Complex League D-backs while the big league club, club travels to Texas this week. The outfielder was taking ground balls recently and will continue ramping up his running activity in the hopes of making an early August return. Um, as far as Eduardo Rodriguez and Chris Sale go, let's start with Rodriguez. Rodriguez had come out in the third inning against the Yanks on Friday due to symptoms consistent with a migraine. However, Red Sox manager Alex Cora had good news on that front on Sunday, saying that Eduardo Rodriguez is a go to make his next start on Thursday against the Jays. Uh, another Perrier injury, Chris Sale. Tommy John surgery made his second rehab start for Double A Portland on Sunday and struck out nine without issuing a walk over three and two-thirds innings scattering six hits so it looks like chris sales on his way back and i'm going to reiterate it if chris sale comes back and he's an ace watch out for perrier's team as far as aaron judge goes for travis um judge is set to meet the yankees in boston on sunday and then fly with the team to tampa in hopes of being activated ahead of tuesday's series opener against the rays fingers crossed he has not played since being uh, diagnosed with covid jack flaherty is a devon piece that he's been waiting to get back he led the the, uh, the NL in wins when he fit hit the IL and his injury sort of coincided with the downfall of the St. Louis Cardinals um, he had a left oblique strain he will make a rehab start with AAA Memphis on Tuesday um, manager Mike Schilt added he will be on a pitch count of 40 to 50 which is higher than initially anticipated it'll be his first time on a mound in a live game since sustaining the injury on May 31st so positive news there a um, little blast from the past with uh, Miles Mikolas, who was a f- famous streamer. I feel like we all streamed him at one point. 
He threw three innings with AAA Memphis on Saturday, firing 17 strikes on 29 total pitches. The Cardinals hope to have Mikolas back on the active roster within three to four weeks, barring any setbacks, um, even if he needs time building up to a starter's workload. So he's not on any, any team, and no one has him rostered and like stashing him, but he's one of those like solid streamers you can pick up week to week if you're really desperate for points because he gets the strikeouts. Uh, but that's the injury report. Um, I will be joining you in a second. Uh, with a little seg- a segment I have a little I'm going to have a conversation with Travis and talk about all the things that uh, he's looking forward to as we progress towards the playoffs so stay tuned I'll be joining you in a second with Travis all right, I am joined by the 11 and 4 Denizens of the Deep, Travis Sika, fresh off a trip to Atlantic City. Both of us are uh, tired, sore, but for the league, we're in this podcast ready to bring you guys entertainment. And you know, I'm going to rip on him a little bit, but let's get started. Travis, how you doing, man? Good, man. What's going on? What's going on? I'm trying to uh, still recover from the weekend. But doing all right. I'm doing good, man. I'm I'm fresh off uh, the bangerangs. I'm drinking some bangs, <laughs> and uh, they are uh, definitely my new favorite. I feel like there's no crash on. I feel like we're sponsored by Bang. This yeah, purple right. haze flavor is probably the best. So I know Perry, you drink a lot of the bangs, man. If you've had, if you haven't had the purple haze, it's probably the best flavor I think I've ever had of any energy drink. So it's been really like, good. It's like, I feel a like compared so to like the purple monster like those that's just like oh it's so much better than purple monster because that one has like a lavender taste to it this one is just straight grape soda yeah it's what's good. amazing to me is that it has zero calories and like how does it taste like real soda right that dude I, I when i was like I here, that's it. all i drank just bangs yeah bang bang, bang. but anyway uh so <laughs> trap before we get started i have a whole bunch of questions for you and we have a little buy sell segment that i want to get into it with you but Tell me about your current feel going to week 16. You squeaked out a victory against Greg. Uh, the Aranola complete game shutout almost kind of robbed you of a win or lack there. I mean, the, the shutout that didn't happen. Are you feeling good? Or are you still sort of waiting for your team to get back to dominating like you have been all year? Um, you know, I think I'm still hovering below the line. You know, um, we spoke about it. I mean, considering I've only lost four games and when I was – forgot what week I was on the podcast, but obviously I was on a high at that point. I don't know. Maybe I was five and now at that point. Um, yeah, I'm going back right now. I'll tell you right now in a sec. But I mean, from, from there, like I've been lucky with my schedule. Obviously we've spoken about it. Um, but you know, I made some moves this morning. So hopefully that adjusts. I mean, it's tough right now because I mean, there's clearly only one seller right now. So everybody else, I feel like they, st- they think they're still in it. And uh, it's hard to make a trade for better players when everybody wants to keep their own players because they think they're still in it. So uh, I feel like it's once it gets closer to the uh, trade deadline, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot crazier. I agree. And I'm, I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that in a second. Last time you were on here, it was week seven. Uh, you were, I think you were still undefeated and it was five twenty four twenty one. So about two months ago, you've been on here um, almost Let the day. And, and yeah, you were definitely riding a little higher now, but you have to look at it this way. I mean, you're 11 and four. 
I know that your point total is not there. And I, I know every week you probably listen to me rip on you, but you're getting the wins when you need to. And eventually, like, if you look at it this way, every team goes through a slump and has injuries and has situations where they have to overcome. It seems like your team is having those situations and you're still winning. So I think eventually you'll be on the other side of it. Um, I talked about in the, I talked about in the injury report earlier about Mike Trout. He had sort of a snag when he was running today. Is there something, is, is that, worrisome to you or do you feel like there's still a strong possibility he comes back before the playoffs start um you know i i actually saw that too they mentioned it over the weekend that he was going to the doctor today and they said that the the visit went well so we said he's hoping that he could ramp up his activity level soon and he's ran i've been looking into it he's been running but not like full 100 percent speed i guess um which to me, I mean, I, I guess it's the type of the players they have on the team because Otani doesn't always play in the field. So, like, I feel like if he wasn't 100%, they might have DH'd him most of the time. But considering that spot gets filled by Otani half the time, that they want him 100%. But they're are you worried that, like, with the, where the Angels are on the standing is going to affect their decision-making? Are you just like, if they're out of it, are they going to shut him down? Or do you feel like they're just going to put him out there if he's healthy? I mean, they're five out. Right now, and I was reading, they have like an 8.8% chance of making the playoffs. So, I mean, I'm scared for sure, and I might have to make adjustments if things uh, things get revealed before the trade deadline, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is like, obviously, when you have a chance to acquire Mike Trout, I'm sure it's been weighing in your head since you made the trade for Woodruff, and obviously you didn't know what was going to happen with the sticky stuff, and Cole's been better, so it's been, sort of eased the pain a bit. But at the same time, when you can acquire Mike Trout and then obviously you're keeping him next year, like spoiler alert, that's going to happen. At least you have that to look forward to. And I guess you just try to figure out a way to get it done in the playoffs. Um, speaking of the playoffs, which of the current playoff teams, I'll read them to you. Who do you think will miss the, the playoffs? So the, right now the playoff teams in order are you, Perrier, Jimmy, me, Karen, and Alicia. Any of those guys missing the playoffs, do you think it's going to stand pat going into the week 21? I'm going to have to say probably Alicia. Very interesting. I'm gonna have, I definitely have more questions geared towards her. You believe the other four, I mean, other five are making the playoffs, no doubt about it? Um, well, you and Jimmy for sure. I mean, you can clearly see with the points that you're, you two are 1A, 1B with the points. Um, Karen's Karen's tricky because she's, uh, she's in a similar boat as me as far as like needing to make a trade, but not sure what trade is right or finding the right trade. And it's hard. Like if there's no trade, there's no trade, you know, but then you just get stuck. So I feel like those two might not make it. I mean, Devin came, you know, he was leading big last week and he, he lost it and then he came back and won. So, I mean, him being still in it, he might take that sixth spot. So, obviously, so I think you think Perry is going to make the playoffs, but do you think the injuries that are mounting are too much to overcome? Um, you know, like, I feel like I'm shifting away from the prediction I made just last week about as many paths <laughs> the championship. You I mean, I still so. think he's going to be there, but it's really, I feel like it's really dependent on where we're at on August 1st when we vote for the IL spots. If we decide to go back, he has a lot of decisions to make. There's a lot of pieces that, like, he just dropped Noah Syndergaard and Jimmy picked him up. 
he might have to drop some quality players because he's not going to have room for them. And that's going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he even, I noticed right now I'm looking at it. He has Carrasco technically as a starting pitcher. I mean, I'm sure he just did active starts, active players. So we just threw him on in the, the relief spot, but He's supposed he to come back, I believe, like later this week. There, like he had a triple A start. He looked good. So at least that's one positive as far as it. But and Chris Sale is progressing, but there's a lot that needs to go right for him to really manage the roster the right way. Or there's going to be some great quality players, especially for the teams looking towards next year. There's gonna be some great stuff that's on there. Like, what about Alex Manoa? That's a guy that he might have to drop, and that kind of sucks. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. I mean, he might have to make like a two for one trade just to just to get something out of it. Or some of these guys, if they're looking to keep them, I mean, like Rogers or, you know, somebody maybe just to get something back, like a two for one. Yeah, and it's about finding the right partner, because like you said, Nick is right now the only person that's in rebuilding mode. But even looking at a team like like Greg, like he's always competitive, but falling to six and nine. If he loses this week to Bizzotta, he's six and ten. And but looking at looking at the talent on Greg's team, it's hard to believe he's even rebuilding. I mean, his offense is really, really good. So it's hard to say, like, why would you just, you know, make a trade just to make a trade to help a team out? You know, that, yeah, but at the end like, of the day, if you're, yeah. if you're dropping them, you're dropping them. Either way. Well, I understand gonna, that, but why, would another, why would another manager sit there and, like, help Perry or out? You know, I guess oh, you, could, I you can cut the waiver wire. You can cut the waiver wire line and say, you know what? I don't think I'll be able to get Manoa on the, uh, like, on the waiver wire. I'll just, like, trade for him. But yeah. it's – definitely going to be hard for for Perrier to uh, figure out a way to navigate those waters because if we move down to the five IL slots or I think we're going to yeah five would be what we're voting on and I think it was moving in that direction and he's the only team that's really struggling with it it's going to be interesting what he does on August 2nd um before I move on from Perrier are you personally rooting against like Woodruff and Carrasco to pitch poorly and to like kind of make your decision seem better like are you like is there any sort of vendetta not against the man but against the team he has <laughs> i mean i mean it is what it is i mean i made that trade whatever it was eight weeks ago seven weeks ago um i mean would you if i haven't really followed him because i kind of don't want to see what his points are like i know he's good he's always in the top he's been in the top 10 and whip and era and all that stuff so like i know he's doing good i'm just trying not to focus on his points um and as far as carrasco i mean I had him, maybe it wasn't last year, but the year before. I know what, what kind of guy he's going to get. I mean, he'll he'll kill it one week, and the next week, I mean, he'll struggle. And plus, it's the Mets, so who, you always have to question the uh, the run support. But, uh, I mean, if listen, if he's there, if he gets a number two seed, good for him. Then he gets the bye. And if, if, it's, if it comes down to it, I'll see him in the finals. If he makes the playoffs this year, there'll be four straight years of making the playoffs after a disastrous first two years in the league. So he's kind of established himself as sort of a force at this point. I mean, at this point, he's been in the playoffs since 2018. His record in 2018 was 11 and 10. Then he was 12 and nine. Last year, he made the playoffs at four and three. And this year, he's sort of trending that way. Um, so he's definitely learned a way, the way to navigate uh, the league and be able to sort of draft a team that's competitive every year. So I personally think he's definitely, and I talked about this last week, matured into a manager that understands how it works and it takes time. In the beginning, it was a disaster for him because he had like three wins, I think, that first year. Yeah, that was, um, that was a rough year for him. Uh, question about Bizzotti. He has not made the playoffs since 2018. Do you think he ends the streak this year? 
I do not. I do not. What do you think the issue is with his team? I mean, he made a lot of moves for a win now. He got Bueller, Gosman. He made the deal for uh, Jansen. What is the issue with this team right now? I mean, it's, it's what we spoke about. It's, it's the health issues. He got, you know, he got uh, Means back. He got Gallon back. And then, boom, Betts goes on the I.L. You know, every time, anytime you, you lose your first round pick, your, uh, your points are going to suffer. And that's what you're looking at right now. I mean, him and him and Nick are they're, they're the only ones left in the 1800s still. Do you think John Means is done? Like his spin rate is suspiciously down after the, they've been regulating the, the sticky stuff. Do you think he was just a product of the spin rate and using foreign substances? Or do you think he's actually a legit pitcher? It's tough because I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't remember his stats from last year or the year before, but. He trended upward last year, but again, you're playing in non-competitive games at the end of the year with the, with the Orioles. And then mm-hmm. you continue to do that. Like there's no pressure in those games and, and not that there was pressure this year at all. And his numbers are padded by that no hitter. I personally think his numbers are kind of what they are. Like it's a mix of last year and this year. And it is troubling to be honest. Like, and he's a, he's a player that maybe you just drop at this point. That kind of sucks to even think about, but he's been really, really bad. Yeah. That's, that's what I ended up having to do this morning with Corbin. Like he's just, not good. I was like, listen, at the end of the day, you just have to, somebody has to be cut. And at, that, at this point, I was just keeping it because of the name. And it just, it wasn't worth keeping uh, using one of the starting pitching spots for me. Yeah. Every year I always weigh out, like, should we expand the rosters? But then I look at the waiver wire, like, especially at a week like this, there's, there's really no, I mean, aside from some offensive players that in a pinch you can put up there there's really nothing left there. Like the streamers are tough. The pitchers, like they're almost guaranteed to be a gamble. I mean, what's the chance they get you positive points. So I like, I play with that because expanding the rosters, I don't want people to make a decision that I don't know, that hurts their team, but it's also, you want to stack that waiver wire and have a lot of talent on there so that teams can, you know, add drop as needed, not just like stash all these good players. So I go back and forth with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, that's, that's the same thing I'm thinking because, like you said, the pitching is questionable. And at this point, especially in the end of July, I mean, you're, like you said, the guys are like as advertised and your best hope is getting someone who's, who's getting called up. Yeah, you got to catch them before they get hot. I mean, look at all these rookie pitchers and and I picked up that there's a kid, Taylor Widener, from, but I just picked, picked him up based on the matchup against Texas. Yeah. As I said earlier in the podcast, and I say every week, anyone pitching against Texas can roll out on my roster because that team is really bad. And, like, I felt the same way about Detroit in the beginning of the year. I definitely don't feel that way anymore because Detroit can go out there and put up big runs. So, really, I'm streaming against Cleveland and Texas, and that's pretty much it. Like, I, I can't find a guy – like, you look at all these young players. Like, Daniel Lynch came up, and he was highly touted, and – I know Devin was talking about all his young pitchers and he felt like he was set for the year. Every one of them felt like fizzled out because of the fact that they're struggling coming out of the minors. And there's a huge divide from triple a to the major leagues. And to bridge that gap is hard because for whatever reason, the talent difference is just, is just different. It's at the next level. So I think a lot of these pitchers are struggling coming out of the gate and they get bombed. I mean, look at Daniel, Daniel Lynch was like everyone. I remember when Perry picked him up, I was like, God damn, that's going to be the guy this year. It's going to be Shane Bieber. And he got called up again. He had a nice outing last week, but it's just 
it, nothing's clicking. It's just like, I feel like it's the same old pieces that are, that are producing on major league rosters this year. I don't know if, what the deal is this year, but feels that way. All right, let's yeah, move towards sure. your team. Um, so you have 11 wins for the first time since 2018. How many do you finish with? Like how many do you feel would be a safe bet or like, and realistically, how many do you think you're going to get? Um, well, I mean, every, uh, everyone is pretty much three games back and we have one, two, three, six weeks left. I mean, Karen, I've undefeated against this, this season. So I feel like I'm due for a loss. And, uh, according to your projections, I'll lose, uh, <laughs> week after against you. Um, oh, you dude, you know, you're losing against me. <laughs> That's like, my, I mean, I so don't... 2013, which again was a different league. You had 17 wins. Oh, and yeah, I, that was, completely that was when you had went as a different league. So I really start our league, like in our, in my mental like capacity of 2016 through now. And the most wins you've ever had was 12 since then. I think it's safe to say you're going to top 12. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's fair to say 14, 15 would be a good spot to be? Uh, I would say 14. I would say 14. I mean, if I win, if I win the next two out of three, I'll be 13. Uh, I'll be 13 and five. And I mean, that's even if you win out, let's say you beat me, but I beat uh, Karen and Alicia. So that would be where are you at? I'd be 11. You'd be 11 and seven. What you and I'd be 13 and five. So I'd be two up. I mean, that would be. I mean, I would have clinched a spot by then, I think. I would say it's pretty safe to say you're making the playoffs, especially our division. I mean, it looks like our division is clearly the better division out of the two, and sometimes that happens based off of for whatever reason. And there might be a weaker team out of the two seed, and they get the bye, and that will benefit them. But I think at the end of the day, we'll have a team that rises to the top. And like I said, you're, you've been weathering a storm for about a month now. I remember when I saw you on 4th of July, we were talking about your team and just feel like you felt very down on them. But I think on draft day, if someone would have said fast forward to week going into week 16, you're 11 and four, I think you'd sign for that. Right. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even think I would be here at this point. I mean, I felt like I had a strong pitching staff, but I mean, even at the beginning, like you said, if I, if you told me 11 and four, sign me up right away. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, because I think anyone would sign up for that, especially where all I've been one of those teams stuck in the rut where I, I get to 500, I get a game above, then I lose. And so I feel like I've been struggling just to get above 500. I'm hoping that I don't hit a, you know, a snag and lose to Nick this week. I think it's he's the weakest link and he's like almost a guaranteed win if you if your team performs, especially as Castellanos out now, his pitching's at Kershaw. He's no longer on that team. Like there's a lot of missing pieces, but you never know. Like someone could just go off for him and I'll be sitting back at eight and eight. So I'm hoping I get the win this week. Um, yeah. It would be a huge disappointment. I feel like if you, if you didn't beat him, especially with the points I've been putting up, but you never know. I mean, that's the beauty of the league in a 10 team lead. There's enough talent to go around. Yeah. And I think his team is un- good enough. I mean, last week I talked about it when I went over the matchups, he had a bad week and over 10 days scoring only 119 points. Like that's really disappointing really disappointing um but looking at his roster you can understand why i think he got single digits from almost every player his pitching did nothing so you know at, at this point it's gonna have something special up to go go right from like a no hitter or a complete game shutout that's the only way he's gonna really get another win this year i'm curious maybe though, it. i'm curious though if he does he know that you have to win the consolation back to get the first round pick 
he does. We had that conversation and, uh, you know, Nick, to remind you, that's, that is a thing. So you have to, I mean, you're guaranteed to at least get the fourth overall pick. So it's not like you're going to fall down to the standings, but yeah. Be for, the fourth would I mean, be the worst. Fourth would be the worst case scenario as far as like what you would get. Yeah. Um, and then the playoff teams, depending on where they finish would fall, you know, obviously six through 10. So the playoff teams are worried about winning the championship. Moving on to Greg for a second, he's always like the kind of the staple of consistency. He always finds the gems on the waiver wire. And I feel like he's just been snake bin this year with the Bieber injury and glass now. And his roster is really good. Like I mentioned before, he has nine losses. He hasn't lost more than 10 games in a season in, in his league history. What do you think his record will be at the end of the year? Like you think, do you think it's a guarantee he misses the playoffs for the first time in franchise history? It's tough because I mean, his, like you said, his team's, on paper is good, um, but is just not performing. I mean, who is on his IL right now? Just it was a pivotal quick. week last week. I feel like if he if he moved to to um, seven and eight and beat Bazada, he'd be right in the mix. To but falling down now, he's a step below every other team. And I don't know if the pitching is there for him to to really compete at that level. I mean. I'll get to it. I don't want to like move ahead of questions because Alicia's team is, is frightening as far as pitching goes offensively. She can slug people to death. She did that this week and came up just short, but without the pitching, without an ACE, like it's hard to go out there and win from week to week. Yeah. I mean, he would, he would have to have glass now where Bieber to come back soon just to get any Which the race said glass now is coming back, but you know, then, you know, they're not rushing him and they have all this talent in the world in the minor league system. They can call up Shane Baz and be like, you know, or McClanahan or one of those guys can come up and produce and, or they'll piece it together with Ryan Yarbrough for four innings and figure it out. So they're not in any really rush to get glass now back. Maybe the Rays make a trade. I mentioned it earlier and obviously you weren't on with me. You're listening to it later, but I mentioned that I believe Scherzer to the Rays would be a really good fit. Because I don't think the Nats can like really expect to get top of the line talent back, and I think the Rays have enough talent to give them the best offer without giving up all of their best prospects. So um, even like a guy like Taylor Wall would be enough like of a, a, a return for the for the Nats if they decide to sell. But I really I'll believe it when I see it. I can't see them in a division that is so they're they're only like five games back, and the Mets. I mean, in any other division, they would be in third, fourth place. I can't see the Nats giving up. Let me look at 2019. They were how many games back in May and they figure out a way to get back into it. I can't see Mike Rizzo, the GM of the Nats, deciding to trade Scherzer and Trey Turner. I'm not sure if you saw Devin post that. Yeah, I saw that. That's crazy. So if you think, if if let's say Scherzer gets traded to the Rays, does that help you out? Or you think it uh, doesn't help you out? Um, I mean, historically, the Rays have, you know, the I guess a history of, limiting pitchers obviously we saw the blake snell situation they have like they're very unique in the way they handle their pitchers but also too you got to remember max scherzer's a bulldog i don't think he's letting kevin cash go out there and say you're coming out after five innings like scherzer will probably beat the shit out of him on the mound that's not it's not happening um it would be weird to see and i i I don't know if we'll see it i like i'm just like racking my brain i also could see him going to like a team like san francisco i don't think san francisco has the prospects to do it but that would be a a huge ad for a team that's like trying to compete with the Dodgers and the Padres and somehow holding on to first place 
moving into August. It's unbelievable to me. Yeah. But mm-hmm. those are just things. I mean, we could be sitting here in two weeks and being like, oh, Max Scherzer's a Ray. And you'd be like, oh, Steve told me. But I don't know. <laughs> it just came into my brain because the Rays have like such a deep prospect system that there's guys that are going to be logged in. You can't have like Taylor Wall's never going to play because Wander Franco's there. Yeah. So it's just a matter of like figuring out a way to, I guess, get the best deal for Scherzer. And everybody, everybody knows that the Nats can't expect the best deal back. But I don't know, just spitballing. But if um, they, I believe when I see when he got scratched on Saturday, I thought for sure he was being moved. It's like, I was like, he's being moved somewhere. Why would they? Why would they scratch him? Yeah, is is Taylor play third or short? Because Franco, he's a shortstop, but like I think he's playing. Uh, he's played. Yeah, he's he I mean, he's a shortstop for the Rays, but I think he could play third. I don't know. I've never I've never actually seen him play live on paper. I mean, right. on, in person, I just see him on Fangraphs, like his name pop up. <laughs> Yeah, he's going to well, be a solid major league player. It's just a matter of like, where is he playing for the Rays? Wander Franco is like 19 years old. That's the other thing too, though. You know? If you trade him to to the Nats, who where is he playing? He would have to play third at that point. Well, or yeah, well Rendon's contract, you probably move that. Or if they're serious about moving Trey Turner, like they could be looking at a full rebuild and be like, you know what, let's go young and get a young pitcher from them. And then if you imagine the the haul you can get for Trey Turner, who's still controllable. Yeah, I mean. Well, what is he, 27 or something I mean, like that? Yeah, he's one of the best players in the league. So it's like if, if you're the, like the Yankees, even if you're not competing this year, how do you not go, I'll give you whatever you want for Trey Turner? Like that's the guy <laughs> they're looking for. Yeah. You know, I'd be happy about that. I mean, he's one of my favorite players. It's weird though. it wouldn't um, fit into the system though, you know, the Yanks. No, very true. It's, it's, a, it's, a hard, it's a hard thing to imagine because it's hard to be like any prospect you get, in, back in any deal, I guess the ceiling would be Trey Turner. Like if Taylor Walls turned out to be Trey Turner, wouldn't you be happy? Yeah. So like, why sure. would you make the move? So true, especially right. if you're not going anywhere soon. Very true. I mean, we so we talked about Mike Trout earlier. Do you think he's going to be a key, key contributor in the playoffs or before that? Uh, before that, I mean, like you said, it all depends on the Angels if they're going to go in or not. Um, and they they very very may well shut him down. So if they shut him down, obviously neither. But if they don't, he'll be up. He'll be up before the playoffs. I think. Do you think there's a path that you win the championship without Mike Trout? Yes. You think Mike Trout has like an upgrade for you? I mean, if I. I have five outfielders right now, and they're, so they're filling up the utility spot. So Trout comes back. Someone has to move. Um, so maybe I maybe I trade one of them for somebody else. But uh, he's been holding the spot so far. I mean, he's hasn't been as good in the last couple of weeks since uh, the All Star break. But I mean, he's been doing the job. I agree. And I mean, you've been looking to upgrade your offense. I know you've been talking to a lot of teams and I know you said you had some things in the works possibly this week coming up or before the trade deadline. Offense has been pretty much your focus on improving your team. Even if Triumph comes back, you could use the offense, especially in the middle infield where you have sort of a need at shortstop. And I know you were talking to me about potentially Tim Anderson or even Trey Turner, dare I say. Um, But you have to find the right deal. And I think you have a good trade piece in Julio Rodriguez. I know you saw the report earlier today about baseball America ranking him 
with the updated rankings with Wander Franco being called up to the major leagues, Julio Rodriguez took over the number one spot. So he's a nice trade piece and he potentially could be someone you build around or decide to move in order to get um, maybe some offense this year. Is that, is that a plan that you have? Uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, he's, he's open, he's available. Um, you know, I fell out some feelers earlier, but uh, obviously there's been no trades happening yet. But like I said, if people believe that they're still in it, why are they going to trade away their pl- players that are playing right now for someone who's not going to play till, till next, uh, next year. But I also or looking at it. Right. And uh, I'm also looking at it. I mean, they have uh, wit is three, I think, or four. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rushman's around there too. So, I mean, if, Bazada traded Rushman for Bueller. If Julio technically is considered a better prospect, do I deserve someone better than Bueller? I mean, maybe no one's going to be as trigger happy as Nick is, but True. yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. hypothetically, I guess so you could make that argument, but if you really want to improve your offense, you may have to just like take the risk and trade Julio and be like, you know what, in two years, if he's really good, but if it nets me someone right now that can push me over the hump, I think you have to make the move. Yeah. Agreed. I was making the argument before about, I go on a rant every week about Alicia's team for whatever reason, just, it always happens. (laughs) (laughs) Just about something. (laughs) And I was talking about the, like the lack of pitching she has and how obvious it is to make a trade for one of those, great elite offensive producers that sit on her bench from week to week, like Max Muncy, for example, we continue to bring up his name. And I really wanted to make the point that Muncy is 25th overall in points, which means he's 25th overall in points overall, but that's because he has the opportunity to play every day. What I think needs to happen for every team that's trying to trade position player for pitcher, you need to sit there and say, who is, ranked in the same capacity that Muncie is for for and whether it be infield or outfield it doesn't matter and compare it to the 25th overall ranked um, pitcher and the point is the points are going to be much much more different so like I, I compared it earlier and you're going to hear it later but Hendrix is 26 overall in points as far as pitching goes Muncie winds up being like I think 16th overall so, like, mm-hmm. that's what you're looking for, and I got shot down for that. And I'm not trading Hendricks anymore as he's pitching right now. He's gave up three runs, um, and he's still out there with 54 pitches. He looks great. I mean, he's probably going to get a quality start. That's what he's been doing. He's sort of, like, slow and steady wins the, wins the race. No no strikeouts, just sort of gets the quality start and potentially a win. But I'm not trading him anymore. I almost did it at the deadline or at the expo. But that's the guy she has to get, or even just take someone lesser than that. But she's unwilling. She wants a guy – he wants a guy that's like the Garrett Colt for Muncie, and that's not happening. Like, you're not doing that move because you no. can get like Bizarre picked up Robbie Grossman. Like, you can get production on the waiver wire. Like, why would you make that move? Like, you have to kind of give up a, um, from your strength and sell, maybe like overpay a little bit. That's just my opinion on it. Because right now, she's on a trajectory circling the drain with no pitching to help her. Pablo yeah. Lopez is probably out for the rest of the year. DeGrom, who knows what's happening with him. And the only reason she was even competitive last week was McCullers pitched out of his mind. So it's like, he's not doing that every week. Yeah. And I mean, I, I get the, the point where like, well, listen, if, if I don't give some, like, I don't want to give away somebody. So he, you know, outperforms on somebody else's team and beats me. But at the same time, if he's on your bench, 
he's not getting you any points. But if you trade him for like, let's say a Hendricks or, you know, someone in that, in that area, he's going to be, he's, let's say he'll have 40 more points than whoever spot she's in. That's 40 more points already. For her because team, you're not right. getting that's any from Muncy because Muncy's on the bench. Right. And it's also so about it's, taking a guy out and putting him on, on your roster when he is benched too, but that's a conversation for another time. Like <laughs> you, you, so like for my, in my opinion, like obviously she's not a manager that tends to her roster as like meticulously as a lot of managers. Why wouldn't you just have a short offensive bench and just roll with that? Like your players, are your players, if they're sitting, they're sitting, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like it, I don't know. But, and I'm going to ask you a question about the format of her team later, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but um, what do you think the odds are that Karen can repeat as champion? She She's kind of quietly going about her business this year, and her team's like really disrespected in the power rankings, I felt. She's eight and seven. She's right in the hunt. Do you think she has a chance? I'd say she has a chance, but I mean, uh, say 25% chance she, she wins. She repeats i mean no one's repeated yet before right um i believe in the beginning back to back alicia went back to back when the season when the, again the league was there she went back to back in 12 and 13 right that was everybody the unlimited else drops. Had, yeah unlimited ad drops and then the k's were worth more and i think earned runs were worth like i don't think you lost points for earned runs it was some crazy thing we were definitely right. we were getting our legs under us and it definitely was not um indicative of where the league is at now so mm-hmm. but yes you went back to back um what's more likely to happen you think alicia missed the playoffs or the yankees missed the playoffs or both <laughs> i would say both i don't see the yankees Almost guaranteed. The yeah there's no way Lock, there's no way, there's no way. Delivered? i would say so yeah Unless, I mean, unless that Yankee you... lost yesterday was a backbreaker. I mean, it, each game that they lose like that, you feel like it can't get worse than that, and they somehow top it. You have a no-hitter going into the eighth inning, and somehow up 4 nothing. you're like, oh, I wonder if they're going to keep Domingo in there just to get the win. And they give up five runs in the ninth inning. Like, how is that even possible? It's it's nuts. And I think it's, the only it's way mind-boggling. Alicia, that it... I think the only way Alicia makes a playoffs is she makes a trade. But I don't think she's going to make a trade. Yeah, I agree with you, but you know, that, that's even her so, perspective. Even so, I think, like, I had some feelings about me, about trading some pitchers, but at the end of the day, like you said, you could pick up somebody for, for offense if you really need to. Pitching is pitching. You're, you're not picking anybody up. So I feel like the people who may even have pitching aren't going to trade it even if they needed somebody on offense. Do you think it's possible to win with a setup the way Alicia's pitching is? Like, for example, say Jacob is fine and Pablo is fine in a, in a best-case scenario. And if she wins this way, say there's a she gets in the playoffs, she gets in there, she makes the playoffs as a one of the teams that doesn't win a division, or maybe she she wins the Ed Delahunty division, does that change how you personally approach the draft next year? Are you going to be like, oh, I'm going all offense? No, because I wouldn't be able to do the decision she's making right now because the fact that she has all those guys on the bench, I'd be kicking myself every time because you know you make the wrong decision. Every time you make the wrong decision. Right. If it doesn't happen one day, it happens another day. And you, like, you don't know. Like you, you look at her bench. I mean, for tonight, I mean, people aren't playing. But let's go to a full slate of games from, from like Saturday. I go to her team. She has guys that are sitting on the bench that, 
you they'd be starting on every other team. Let's be honest about it. I mean, Max Muncy, Charlie Blackman, Josh Bell. Uh, I mean, the talent is insane. Ozzy Osby's Vlad Jr., Bogushet, Juan Soto, who's out of his mind right now. Somehow Dylan Carlson's on her team, like, but he's playing decently well. Mm-hmm. At any given time, she can have a guy on his bench that on her bench that just goes off and like it wouldn't be unexpected. And I can't live with them for me personally. <laughs> no, I mean, I think also like she had a great draft as far as hitters go. And I think, you know, there's a lot of picks she made that, you know, she was really good. And I mean, but let's see, let me see real quick what she got. Yeah, she- while you're looking at that, I will be going probably in the next few weeks or maybe like right before the playoffs, I'm going to take the playoff teams and I'm going to look at their draft and compare it to their team now and see sort of how they got to where they are. Mm-hmm. So that should be interesting to see her team pretty much looks exactly the same as how she drafted it. But like your team, for example, looks completely different or my team looks completely different based mm-hmm. on where I drafted and how I drafted. So she went aside from taking Jacob DeGrom, she went offense from rounds two through seven. And then she took Granke as her next best pitcher, who's been okay. And then she took Sonny Gray. And then she went all offense until she took a closer. And then she took, like, and then, I mean, she got Lopez late, which was great. She kept Dustin May at the end of the, the draft. But from the jump, it was the jump, it was a, it was a top heavy pitching staff that if they stayed healthy, they best case scenario, they had to all produce at the same level. There was really no depth. And it's not like she's scouring the waiver wire to find these other big pieces. She, she kind of has been just trying to slug teams to death with, with the combination of Vlad Devers and Bo Bichette, just trying to kill people with their offense and not to mention Ozzy Albies. Yeah. Well, her keeper was Vlad, right? Yeah. She kept Vlad, uh, Dustin May. Uh, I could pull it up right now. It's just, you know, I'm pulling it up right now. I don't want to like misspeak and say she kept someone she did, and it's just loading. Um, so her keepers so. were Dustin May, Bobichet, Juan Soto. So she drafted uh, Vlad. Mm-hmm. So I mean, she was uh, right, 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 right. So Bobichet, where was Bobichet? The Jet was drafted in the sixth round, which was great, great value for especially he's like the best. Well, aside from Trey and Tatis, he's one of the best shortstops in baseball right now. Right. I mean, as we look at, I mean, Guerrero, she drafted him fourth round and Devers was third round. So you're taking two third basements back to back. I mean, with you, you drafted five shortstops, but you also flipped two of them. So right. if you're going to go with that mindset where you're going to draft the same uh, position early, you flip one. Yeah, and I also feel like I overcame a lot. Of, like, and we won't talk about the draft yet, but like when we talk about the draft, the, the draft results at, and compare them to now, I overcame a lot. Like as far as Lindor goes, Mondesi played like four games all year. I took Kesson Hura in the eighth round. He's been absolutely garbage this year. So, and I mean, I think I was saved by the fact that I took Daltuve in the twelfth round, who's been great. Tommy Pham in the fourteenth. So like, there's been some gems there, but. I had to really revamp my team and figure out a way to like get be competitive because my team was really ugly in the beginning. And if I didn't trade Lindor, dude, I'd be in such bad shape right now. No, but you you traded him at the right time because he was shit all year. You know, he picked it up, and then that's when you dropped him. Not dropped him, but that's when you traded him. Yeah, and I traded him for Jose Abreu, who was really slumping. He, I think he got hurt and he was out for a little bit. But Abreu, dude, I I love that player. It's gonna be a really hard decision to make. 
I love having Anderson and Trey. Like I love the team I have constructed this year. So it's going to be hard to, to decide who to keep. Right. I mean, I love the value of Tim Anderson. I love the value of where Jose Abreu is too for his, his production. And then, I don't know, that's a conversation for another time. Um, speaking of players right now, as far as for both pitching and offense, who do you think finishes number one overall in points? I'll give you guys, I'll give you who's listed right now as far as number one overall for both positions and tell you tell me who do you think is going to finish number one overall? Okay. So number one right now for offense is Vlad Jr. He's, he's number one overall following him is Tatis Otani, the batter, obviously Devers, Bo Bichette, Marcus Semi and Freddie Freeman. The highest ranked pitcher is let's see. Cole. Highest pitcher is Cole with 134 following him is Zach Wheeler. Uh, and then Jacob DeGrom, who's been on the aisle for a bit, and then Carlos Rodon. So as far as position players go, who is going to finish number one overall in points? I'm going to say Tatis. Um, okay. I think it's tough with, with Toronto. They have such good players, and I'm watching the game right now. But, like, they, I looked at, like, the last ten games, they, they lose. They, I think they went three and seven. They're just not winning their games. So, like, I feel like if they're out of it, they might uh, – it might ease up on him. So I feel like it's going to be Tatis. Um, and if Trout comes back, Otani, maybe he doesn't play as much, you know, because they want to throw Trout on the DH. I know even though we were talking about it, I didn't notice that Otani plays the outfield as much as I thought he did. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think I would, I would, I would go with Tatis. And then as far as pitching goes? Uh, I would say I wouldn't stick with Cole. Better be. <laughs> <laughs> you will better be. Um, all right. So that's the question to have for you. So now the next segment I, I talked to you about, I have a few questions and a few, I mean like 20. Um, I want you to <laughs> buy or sell the statement. So it's a mix of like a whole bunch of stuff. So you can elaborate, feel free to elaborate on them or just free, feel free to say, I, I think that's going to happen. Okay. Okay. All right. Buy or sell. Jimmy is the favorite to win a championship this year. Uh, so care to elaborate? <laughs> <laughs> um, you don't have to. It's weird because you you look at his team like separately, like just look at his team. It's I feel like it's surprising the point totals that he's came up with. Um, those are those are fighting words, I believe. It's weird. That's what I'm saying. It's weird though, because obviously you look at the totals. He's he's number one right now, but you look at the players that are there. It doesn't seem like it, he should be getting that much. Mm -hmm. But I'm gonna say sell. I would say I would say you. Interesting. Um, Last week I right, would have well, said Perrier, but his whole team good, went on the IL. This good week, segue. So. I win the point title by yourself. Bye. Greg is a full blown seller by the trade deadline. So. Alicia will miss the playoffs. I feel like you already said this, but uh, yeah. uh, the San Francisco Giants are for real and will win the NL West. That's tough. That's a tough one. I got some hard I'm going to go sell. I don't think they'll make this. Who wins the NL West? Strong. Yeah. 
I'm gonna go Padres. I feel like they might make a fucking move at the end. Yeah, I mean they trade for the Frazier. They could be in the hunt for like even any of these guys that are out there. They've been they've been tied to all these teams. Yep, yeah, uh, Barrios and freaking Scherzer. There's rumors over there, but I just don't know if they have the guys to trade for them. But. Do you think they make the playoffs? I mean, I feel like three playoff teams are almost guaranteed to come out of the NLS, the division, and the two wild cards probably. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my guess would probably be Padres, Dodgers, Giants, in that order. Max Scherzer will be dealt at the deadline. So. It's going to I don't take think a they, I don't think they'll do it. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't. I mean, I think I would love to see it because I would throw a pipe bomb into all the pennant races, but <laughs> and it would be interesting to see him re-motivate to pitch for a new team. And I mean, this would be so he pitched. He was drafted by the Diamondbacks, and he then he went to Detroit. Have that. I mean, that's where he established his name, and he's been every bit as um, valuable to the Nats as I mean, he signed that long-term deal, and everyone thought at this point he'd be all right. Like his arm fell off because of the way his arm angle is but he continues to reinvent himself and find ways to get guys out so i think they're uh, just going to be asking for too much and no one's just going to want to pull the trigger i'm going to say i'm going to say bye in that you know i'm going to i'm going to get on that train maybe i'll put right. in, i'll speak into existence <laughs> um it's going to take 11 wins to win the end edel hunted division right now there's eight wins for parrier he has so you think it only takes 11 wins to win it uh yes. Bye. Your di- your division lead is safe. <laughs> I'm selling because I don't want to jinx myself. <laughs> I mean, it's hard right now. How many weeks left? We have six weeks six. overall. Listen, man. I mean, I, I I know I've only lost four games, but I could lose six in a row for all I know. Who freaking knows? It, I would, I'm going to say it's safe, but that's also just like based on, I mean, you haven't lost really any ground all year. Teams keep winning and then losing, winning and losing. You're the only one that has strung any sort of winning streak together. True. True. Bobby Wood Jr. is the next Fernando Tatis Jr. The hype is real with this guy in our, in our league. I feel like we drove the stock up and like raised <laughs> Baseball America's prospect ranking on. They will listen to the podcast. Exactly. Um, I'm going to go sell. I don't think uh, it's, you know, how many years ago did he come into the league? Three years? Tatis at this, I think he's played overall 180 games. So like he came up at the end of 29 or mid, mid 2019. Mid 2019. So, I mean, everybody likes to, you know, play. It's just, they're not, you don't get that many, that many talents this often. I feel like with, with Vlad and Tatis and Soto, I just, I don't think, you know, just because he's number ranked, I mean, even like you never know what's going to happen. I just don't think uh, I don't think he'll be as good. He will be healthier, well, but <laughs> it's also that he's I mean, in Kansas City. So it's a much different type of environment. I feel like the San Diego lineup has, I don't think, created Tatis because I think it's like kind of the chicken of the egg. What started the culture there? But I think that lineup already had enough talent. Like he, he had a lot of support, let's just say, to get his, yeah. like, there was really no pressure on him to be the guy. I think Whit Jr. might have the pressure of, like, you're the guy, especially if they trade Whit Merrifield. There's no one else. It's just you. So, yeah. And Mondesi, if he can ever stay healthy. Um, Mike Trout will con- contribute for you before the playoffs. Bye. I'm going to buy. We move back to four or five IL slots as of August 1st. Four. And bye. Oh, uh, 
Wait. By August 1st? So in five days? Yeah, we're voting in like on Sunday. So we're going to like, so we move back to the, I forget. I think we, we voted on six or five, right? That was the compromise. Yeah. So I'll, I'm going to say it's going to be five then. All right. Four. So you're buying? Because I feel like it's trending and Devin's been lobbying like he's some guy in like on the Supreme Court sitting and, <laughs> and entering the case. I think he's really convinced people. Listen, um, I, I, I agree. Like you said, I mean, besides the All-Star break, there really hasn't been that many COVID cases. So it's all about the IL. I mean, we've like, we had four all time before that. So everybody figured it out. Yeah. It's going to be hard for Perrier to figure it out if it happens, but he's going to have to do it. I mean, it's not like this is something new. Like you said, it's been happening for the league history. You have to figure it out and drop players that I guess rank them in your mind. So uh, let me ask you then, if it goes sure. down to five, August 1st, what's the next, vote or when is i mean i think we're done voting that's it so just five for the rest of the year five probably five the rest we'd have to have a conversation but my gut is five the rest of the year and then we go to into the off season with the understanding that it's going to be four going into the 2022 season gotcha but that's a conversation we could have we have to cross that bridge it has to win first right right well do you do the vote then four five or six or do you just want for, to do for one September first? I think that's no for question. August first. I mean, we are doing the vote August first for sure. No, I'm saying like, is it going to be four, five, or six, or just going to be five or six? Just five or six. I think that's what we. I think I guess what we can do is for September first, go four or five, and just go from there. And once it sure. gets back to four, we can stay. But that's a conversation we could have once it moves. That's also really close to the playoffs. Yeah, so that's. I mean, people can vote accordingly, though. You know. True. Um, Alicia makes a trade for a pitcher. So, I don't think she's going to do it. Karen repeats as champion. So, sorry, Cass. The Islanders sign Gabriel Landeskog. <laughs> uh, they fucking better. <laughs> I'm go buy. Buy. They have all yeah. that cap. Lou was a wizard with the with the cap and figured out a way to get. Uh, I only I'm only nervous the fact that they haven't done it yet. I think that I think there's something bigger in the in the works. I saw they didn't offer Dal Cole an, uh, an offer sheet. I think they have an idea what the, what the team's going to be looking like next year. By the way, as Hendricks gave up five runs after I jinxed him, so his quality uh, start uh, streak is over. So, so he's open for a trade. You're telling me? <laughs> yeah, send in the trade offers. Um, I am going to offer you at the end of this podcast. I'm going to offer you a trade offer on the air, and you have to react live. Jesus. Have, all right. The Mets make the NLCS. So, I, obviously, I think they make the playoffs, but I don't think they make the CS. Aaron Boone gets fired before the season's over. Bye. When do you think it's he's, happening? Yeah, he's a scapegoat. You, I mean, Bizzotto was saying in the chat, he gave up one hit, and you're going to take him out? Like, he's been dealing all game. At 85 pitches, after one yeah. hit. And like, how bad the bullpen's been, too. It's like, I mean, they, the players have to perform. I know, like, back how many weeks ago at this point where um, Hal, Stein, Hal Steinbrenner had that conversation with them, and then he ruled it was like it's the player's fault. It's not on the coaching staff or the GM. It's like they're safe. The players just have to perform. But, but you're not going to fire the players. <laughs> you can't fire the player, right. So I think what would send shock to the system is, like, you, you're, you're sellers, like, my opinion is that the Yanks are going to do something safe. They'll get like a freaking 
an arm in the bullpen for cheap, like Chad Cool or some shit, and not do anything. And they're going to stick what it is, and they're going to win 85 games. And even if they squeak into the playoffs with 90 wins somehow, they're going to lose in the first round, and they're going to lose to the Rays because they're better. Mm -hmm. So, like, I think either way, Aaron Boone, whether it's during the season or it's going to be in the offseason, he's definitely fired. And I think Cashman's safe. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think uh, he's done too much good. Boone's done nothing good, so or of yeah. significance. Yeah, and it's just tough because – but then again, you have to look at it this way. Is Boone really the guy making the decision? So they know more than we do how much Boone has sway in, like, the lineup and all that. Is he actually making the decisions? So if he's not, why are you firing him? But I guess that's – Because you, know, you got to have to have a scapegoat. I mean, they don't want to show who's, who's making those decisions. You're just going to yeah. be the guy then. Trevor Bauer pitches again in 2021. I'm going to go with Sal. They said he was oh. only going to be gone for a week, and here we are. He hasn't pitched since, like, June 29th at this point, right? Jeez, that's crazy. I think that's... That'll be almost a month. More than that, two months, because it's going to be... Oh, yeah, no, no, you're right. It's going to be a month. Sorry. Trevor Bauer, I'm going to see when he last pitched. Just look at his numbers. I think he might be done in the league, you know? Like, I, it depends on what happens with the investigation, but... June 28th was the last time he pitched. All right. So he, at this point, I mean, the Dodgers, there was that rumor. I don't know if you saw the tweet today from, I forgot what beat writer, but he had said that the Dodgers players don't want him back. I mean, aside from the issues, he's probably grading as a personality. So, wow. and he's on a short-term deal. I know the Dodgers are like giving him truckloads of money, but it's a short-term deal. It's not like they're invested long-term with him. So they may it? be like, all right, kind of losses. I think it's three years. Yeah. Well, no, two years with an option for a third, but that's, I think, a team and a player option. I, see. I think so. But three I remember years, it was like a three year contract. It's an unorthodox deal. He's making a shitload of money in a short period of time. So, I mean, I'm sure the Dodgers are happy they didn't sign him to that like Scherzer like deal where it's 10 years or 13 years. So, Right, no but it's a lot of money. But again, the Dodgers, are the Dodgers, and they don't care about money at this point. So they they rather their image be intact and and not um, not deal with it. Especially if he did what he, especially if they feel like he did what he did, and maybe they know more than we know because we only know what's been like the, the surface facts about what happened, and it seemed like they'd have his back if not. I mean, he's also. I'm sure his lawyers are telling him to, but he's been super quiet on social media, which is unlike him. He hasn't posted on Instagram or Twitter. He's been quiet. So something's definitely worse. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're getting to the bottom of these right now. Then I'll make my trade offer to you. Uh, Shohei Otani wins the AL MVP. Bye, for sure. 100%. Zach Willow and- wins the NL Cy Young. I'm going to go by also because the ground being hurt, just I think it ruined his chances. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think Zach Wheeler right now is definitely, I mean, even if the ground pitches for the full year, he's having a very special year. Both, both teams are having very, both players are having very special years. Mm-hmm. Um, there are more than two trades that happen from now until the August 12th deadline. More than two trades. I'm going to go by. I think well, it's going to be like – it's going <laughs> to it's gonna be that week, though, I feel like. 
Like it's just gonna like Sunday's gonna happen. We're gonna have our results, and then Monday, Tuesdays, I feel like it's gonna fly. Yeah, I mean, is there another trade that you think Greg could potentially make? Or do you think he's just like kind of stand pat? I mean, he has his pretty much future locked up as far as like what he wants to do. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I don't think he'll trade. Like, I don't think I don't think he'll be buying. If he makes a trade, I think it would just be selling. But uh, he has a team. It's just whether they perform or not. Yeah, it's a matter of like he has to look at his future and say, is there something that he can get from someone that helps his future? And look at it in that regard. But mm-hmm. like you said before, I think the, the fact that teams are sort of built and as we add more keepers, it may reduce the fact that we have sellers at all going forward because everyone's young players will be locked up. And, you know, even if you're rebuilding and your team is underperforming, he's set up for the next how many years of his young players? Yeah, well, considering, I mean, I mean, who knows if this is going to be the trend that everyone's almost around is within two games of each other. Very true. And then the parity is something that I talked about all the time. It's it's crazy this year. I mean, there's usually about three or four teams that are clear the worst teams in the league. I just can't see that this year. I mean, the yeah. points tell a different story than the wins, but all that matters right now are the wins. So – the way I'm looking at it right now, there's four, eight, and sevens, three, seven, and eights, and they're sandwiched in between you and then the two bottom teams. I think Nick is clearly the worst team in the league because of the fact that he sold. Mm-hmm. And I keep thinking about it now, too. What would have happened if he just stuck it out? Because his team was sort of talented enough. I know he has the injuries that kind of hit him late. But he the division's achievable. I mean, he's still only three games back, and he, like, completely ravaged that roster. Yeah, I mean, if I was him in that spot, I wouldn't have sold. But that's also because I've been in the league for whatever it is, eight years, but or nine years. Um, but I mean, listen, this is his first year, so he had he has to figure it out. I agree with that. Um, we're at a we're at about the hour mark, so I think we've been good. All right. Um, like I told told you before, I'm going to be reviewing the drafts of the playoff teams probably the podcast week. 21 that would be the, the playoff the week going into the playoffs and then once okay. we have the teams i will decide dissect all their teams as currently constructed and compare what it looks like and what they did so it's going to take a little bit of research but i think it'll be definitely an interesting exercise to see what team looks exactly the same what team looks completely different and like all these different ways that everyone got to the playoffs so it definitely will be interesting going forward i think right now we're in a spot where we're sort of in Everyone's jockeying for positions. I think there's a clear hierarchy going on, but it like, I think you, like you said, for me, my team, you would feel is clearly better than Karen's at this current time, but she has the same amount of wins as me. So it's just like yeah. at any given time, my team could just, something could happen to Scherz or something can happen to whoever. Uh, Trey Turner can get hurt, God forbid. It's just it, something like that could happen. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm out of a playoff spot. It's yeah. That, well, that's, that the, that's the thing, to too, because I mean, like, like you said, you guys have the same record. So let's say, let's say somehow, you know, you get down to the to the sixth seed. Let's just say, right? So mm-hmm. you play, you play Jimmy the first week of the playoffs. There you go. Two two guys with the most points already. One of them is going to be out first week. Right. So anything, like you said, anything could freaking happen. 
Yeah, I'm very curious to go back into the history of the league, and I don't think we have this as far as seeding goes. We just have who made the playoffs and like what year they did it. I'm curious how often it is that the best team wins the play, like wins the league. I know that one year that Bizzotta won in 2016, he was like 16 and six, and mm-hmm. he won. So I think he was a one seed. And then the year that he went 17 and four, he lost in like the first round. So, like you said, it's a crapshoot, and like it sucks after a full season of baseball that it could just take one week of just down production. And even yeah. like the week that you have, like say you win a division, and I think it's safe to say because I think you're going to win a division when you have that buy. Who knows if your team just goes off that week and then it would have been better for you just to have a matchup. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like maybe that's the week that, I and again, it doesn't matter because it like the way it goes off, the way it is constructed, it's just going to happen the way it happens. But, yeah. you know, and I'm glad that we also too, that just to give Bizzotta credit, he's the one that caught the playoff issue with the scheduling because that would have been mm-hmm. an issue because of the way it was set up with the COVID season. Yeah, and I didn't that, even, that I didn't even think about it. It didn't even cross my mind. Well, because I, I think what happened at the uh, the the All Star game is Perry was asking me when it ended, and then he uh, he was like, "Oh," and I looked at it and I didn't think anything of it. It was October third, and I'm looking at the regular season, and the regular season ends at October third. I'm like, "Wait a minute, didn't we Twitch make it, the yeah. conscious decision to not have that happen because you don't want to rest the best players?" And that's true. And then the next, then I didn't really think anything of it until then. Bazada asked me because he wanted to have the belt at his wedding. And I was like, yeah, you'll definitely be able to have the belt. And then I'm like, wait a minute, maybe you won't. And then I was like, then I was starting to think of all the scenarios. And yeah, he would have either way, but it was just like, I don't know. I'm just glad we caught it. And then I was nervous when I hit the button to re- reassign the schedules. Like it was going to mess up everything. Yeah, that's that's so sketchy. It's so sketchy because we have the whole, whole season of numbers and it's like not like you can undo it. So I just like, yeah. you know what? I'm just going to click it, see what happens. So... Um, all right, my trade offer to you. I mean, for, wait, 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 first, wait. <laughs> you have questions for me? Give me some questions. Yes, we spoke about it over the weekend. Um, thoughts of maybe increasing the money, doing some team of the weeks. What's your thoughts? I really love the team of the week thing, and I was going to wait to present it to people, but I will de- I'll present it informally now. I think what we, no, it's all good because I wanted to have like a clear constructed thing so I can offer it to people so they understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, if we do $10, so in just so everyone knows, and, and I think you and I are the only ones in your football league, Travis has this cool thing called team of the week. Character. And is it every week or is it just certain weeks of the year? Uh, it was the first 10 weeks we made. Okay. It. So I think, I mean, baseball is more weeks. Inherently, there's more games. But really what we could do is figure out a prize. And I think $10 is what you do. And I think that'd be fair and add that to the top of the league fee. So someone's getting money every week based on point totals. So like, for example, if last week was my, I would have won team of the week because of the point. So what I would offer everyone is that you do 10 times 22 and then divide that by 10. It's an extra how many $22 a team, right? Yeah. So like then we would make the buy the buy-in fees would be 122 or like you can do them separately and I would divvy out ten dollars every week for team of the week just to sort of keep it interesting especially even for like Nick like it would incentivize Nick to like not that he's not doing it but put his best roster on the on the field at all times and may sway people from selling because like that was the goal with the consolation bracket. Yeah, that's and that's really what what we did in football was that we didn't want people to sell crazy. 
you know, give away their guys, or whatever, or someone to keep, and they really do want to just or to just to not pay attention. You know, we did. It was actually twenty dollars a week, so it was a extra two hundred dollars. But I think we took it from money from team of the team of the year, like most points, or I think it was like we took it away from the runner up or something like that. All right, so if, if we did that just to work out the logistics, like here live on the air. Um, so I'm gonna go to the Constitution because that's what we have. Constitution. <laughs> But um, would you rather do real quick? Would you rather have it where you put more money down or whatever it is and have it every week or do it like an every other week? That would be either way would be cool. I think it'd be awesome to incentivize and keep the regular season interesting like that. Um, looking at the divvying out of the prizes just to be sure as like. Um, I know originally, that originally we did every other week and then i was like i kind of didn't like because people were like oh well i scored most points this week you know i should have got some but it was just because we did every other i didn't kind of thing so then we think we did a little bit more and then pushed it so it would be every week i honestly like every week to be like if i'm thinking about it now i think it'd be cool to do every week and if we added it to be every week it would actually have some sort of it's not that much money if you do the math on it. Even no, if we did twenty dollars a team, and that's twenty-one right. weeks, that's four hundred and twenty dollars divided by ten. That's an extra forty-two dollars a team, and no. add that on top of it. No. Yeah. Oh, twenty dollars. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but if we did ten, it'd be it'd be twenty twenty extra twenty-two dollars, twenty-one dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, something to think about. I know that every if you guys are listening to this, let me know what you think. Because right now, the total points gets 250. Mm-hmm. And so I guess we could take that, make it a straight 200, and then add the $10 somewhere else, and then figure out a way to like, put the that money was The other thing, too, that Johnny was mentioning for football was that most of the time, people whoever has the most points, you know, team whoever has the most team of the week wins usually yeah, wins the point title yeah i'd be interested to see that i mean i can go back and see who would have wanted and see how that works out yeah. like so it'd be like double dipping in the pot right 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 that's why that's why what we ended up doing we took money away from team of the week uh most point total for team of the week so it wasn't so be like this massive 50, amount of money if people are not willing to add the extra money so we can just decide to take the $50 off the top of the Howard's Cup win. And like you get 200 bucks if you win the points title. And then there's $50 to be divvied out over the course of 22, 21 weeks. So you would get whatever that amount, of, that amount is. It might be like mm-hmm. actual like cents because it's not even. So right. 50 divided by 21, you'd be getting like $2. Uh, no, that's not right. Um, even, even if you did, no, it would be, it would be really small because it's not, it's, that's not, it's just not a lot. But if you did, Let's say you did, you took a hundred, right? And let's just say that's uh, ten weeks would be ten dollars. So double that will be five dollars for twenty weeks. Yeah, so yeah. Each yeah. week win will be five. But I mean, even if you look at yours, I mean, I know you bragged about that you scored the most points every week. So you, let's say you want you won eight. That's forty bucks you just won right there. Right. No, it's definitely something to consider. And I like anything that would like spice up the league, I'm always into. And I think it adds a little more incentive from week to week. So it's not just like, oh, I scored the most points and I I won, you know, like it adds a little bit more to it. So like even if like for this week, I clearly I was 
going to win straight out from Thursday. Like it was already established. Like, it, mm-hmm. like there was no way Bizzotto was coming back. I really didn't have to tend – not that I could because I was on my move by like Tuesday. Um, I, I wasn't even really tending to my roster. I was setting it obviously, but maybe I would have been like a little bit more, I guess, picky with the moves I made and like wanted to make sure I had the streamers and stuff to get the most points, I guess. But it's definitely a conversation I want to have with everyone. I, I, I'm hesitant to like increase the buy-in value aside from that, just because I feel like the money is not even the incentive at all because it's the trophies (laughs) and just, I I don't know if you agree with that. Everyone I talk to just wants the trophy and the belt. Like I don't, I don't even think the money would be nice. I would, I I would like some money. I agree, but like I feel like I don't even think about when I when I want to win the championship. I'm not even thinking about six hundred bucks. For a guy that has never won the money in this league, I would like the belt because it's just showing it off. I guess we'd have to ask somebody who's won the league and won the money. I well, talking to Bizzotta, he like didn't even care about the money. He said that multiple times. True, but so, I, mean, I don't for, know. I mean, Karen's aspect, she used the money to buy a PS5, so you never know. <laughs> Well, so that's the cha- that's the championship that keeps on giving. Yeah. Any other questions for me? I know you had like you were asking me throughout them. Do you have any like things you want my opinion on? Um, there was a couple things that I thought before. Let me check talking. my notes. <laughs> um, give me the hook. <laughs> do you? <laughs> do you think? Uh, let me look at your schedule real quick. So you have Nick, me, Devin, Greg, Karen, and Perrier, your last six. What do you think your record's going to be? The last six. Um, hold on. Let me, like, look at it. I need to visually see it. I'm putting it up now. All right. Well, I think this week, this week, I better beat Nick. So that brings me to nine and seven. Mm-hmm. I have to say, just for the sake of keeping up the gimmick in this, in this, <laughs> in this podcast, I'll be 10 and seven after beating you. Uh-huh. Say I have a down week, week 18, lose to Devin, 10 and 8. I should beat Greg, who's rebuilding, 11 and 8. Karen, I, I got to be the champion if I want to be there. That's 12 and 8. Say I lose to Perry last week the season, 12 and 9. I think I finished with like 12 wins, and I don't win the division. I think you win the division with like 14, 15 wins, and then I'm going to have to play the first round. I don't really foresee myself. I don't see me catching you. I'll gain If I beat you, I'll gain the game, but I don't think that's enough. I don't think I have enough time to catch three, three games on you. I don't, I don't see that happening. So yeah, 12 wins. I think I have, and that's about right. That's about where I am every year. I mean, the most wins I've ever had I'm looking at my, the league history is 15 in 2019, but every year, like from 2016 on, I was 14 and eight, 13 and nine, 12 and nine, 15 and six, four and three. And now this year I'm eight and seven. So um, as a team, historically, as I'm the first team to ever hit 100 wins, I'm one of two franchises <laughs> in history to be at 100 wins. I'm right now 100. My overall record's 101 and 73. Bazad is at 174. Does that count and, for playoffs or no? No, just regular season wins. So I'll get it. I'll get it next year. I'm just shy. You right now are 90 and 84, so you need like 10 more wins. So right now you really you really boosted up your. Uh, your record this year yeah. but some of the some of the historic like records are like surprising like devin is 565 and 64 karen is 
her record's horrible, but it's because I think it's like led led by like those two seasons she had that she well through her first three seasons she lost seventeen games and fifteen and sixteen. So it's hard to really Whoa. overcome from that. Yeah, that's rough. Oh, and, and then Perry is just messed up because of his too. Like Perry lost 17 games and 19 games in his first yeah. two years. So like, it's hard to come back from that. Um, but for you, if you're curious, I know you, have, you can open it yourself. Um, you're 1984, like we talked about. And I mean, if you take away the season that you lost the 2012, you lost 15 games. 2019 was a bad year for you, but like, you're always hanging around 500. So it's like, you're about there. I think you're in the right, like you're in the right trajectory. I think it's reflective of the, like what you've been doing in the league. Um, but for lack of it, I mean, I can talk about the wins I have. I only have one point title. I only have one pennant. I don't have a championship. So what does it really matter? So like, I have to just get it done. And I think this team might be the best team I've, I've had. I really think this team's really well-rounded. So I'm excited about it going into, and it's crazy because at the beginning of the year, I was so down on my team. I was not Maybe happy. You should uh, stop selling um, top players in the league. <laughs> <laughs> well, I sold Juan Soto because I got Cole, and that made me better, but I just came up short in the playoffs. Tatis, like, I, yeah. I can go on that rant again for days, but I just... I, I mean, at the end of the day, it'll be a push because I'm sure he'll be on the IL before the end of the year. So. Yeah, and Trey Turner right now is, like, top 10 in points. So, like, what, like I really didn't... And I think the difference... So if you look at it, the trades I've made, I mean, I, I think I messed up trading Laureano, which is whatever. Like, I think – but I, I worked it out and got Hanniger instead. So it's like, at this point, it's a wash, like you said. And then the trade for Tatis, like, yeah, Tatis is a better player. He has better production. But you're always out there, like, running the risk that, like, he's out for the year. Like, that shoulder thing scared the shit out of me. I'm not – I feel like I'll never – I mean, not that I'll even have the opportunity because I think Greg's going to keep him forever. But yeah. I don't think I'll ever draft him again because it's just worrisome. It's always something with him. And I don't want my season to like, even in the playoffs, like who knows? Like I say, Greg got, say I got to the playoffs and like, they're like, you know what? Let's rest in the last three weeks of the season because his shoulder's bum. Let's get him ready for October. Yeah, you never yeah, know. Yeah. At least Trey Turner. I know he's going to block so Yeah. I mean, that, but that's what makes him him. Like he, he plays the game his way and I love it. But as far as like, when that shoulder thing happened, like this, the doctor said this surgery needs to happen, whether it happens this year during the off season or at some point, I mean, we were playing the game that like we're doing with Tanaka for how many years, like he needs Tommy John. He never got it. Mm-hmm. So maybe that will yeah. happen with, with Tatis. Who knows? All right. You ready? You have any more questions? Or I'm going to offer you my trade. Um, no, if I think about it, no, I'll have to have fun next time. All right. I'm willing to offer you. Like the meme, you know, the meme where it's like offer. Um, I'm going to offer you Adam Frazier for Julio Rodriguez <laughs> straight up on this podcast right now. What is it? Adam Frazier for Julio Rodriguez straight up on this podcast. I'm going to say no. And what's the reason for that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what Frazier is going to play over there. Yeah, I agree. I, I what, agree what with role that. It is. But, yeah, so you're looking for a shortstop, right? I mean, who is the shortstop? I know you dropped Crawford. Who's your shortstop? Kiki. I'll have Kiki, Kiki tomorrow. And is he playing every day for the for the uh, the Red Sox? Um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. He's been playing. He's been every pretty day. hot lately. I know he was like one of the hot ads on Yahoo. So 
So yeah. Travis said no to Adam Frazier. If anyone wants Adam Frazier, I'm willing to deal him at a reasonable price for something that doesn't help me this year. Um, personally, just because I don't want any bench spots. I don't want to make a decision on who I start. Right. So I hate leaving him on the bench. Um, but yeah, that's all I got for you, Trav. I mean, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I drank the whole bang while we're on here. So I'm oh, geez, you're not going to go to sleep tonight, bro. I, I could do another hour of this if you, if you really wanted to, but I think we exhausted our, uh, the ability for everyone to listen. And again, I apologize to everybody for being a day late. I know that everyone looks forward to it on Monday, but you'll get to listen to it on Tuesday and not much has happened so far this week. I know last week when we started, or two, what I do Monday, uh, 4th of July one, when I posted it on the 5th, a lot had kind of went down on that Monday before we even mm-hmm. like started. It's been pretty quiet. Like the matchups are all single digits. I think high point, highest point total right now is Karen at 1345, but it's been super quiet. Uh, it's a light day of games. Um, it looks like the week will really get going tomorrow with all the pictures and stuff. So, um, but yeah, thanks for joining me, Trevor. I really appreciate it. And thank you guys for listening. Of course, man. Sounds good. All right. Thank you for listening. I appreciate Travis for coming on and I hope you guys enjoyed the segment with him. And I think we went over a little bit, two hours. So that was uh, about the estimated time when we have a guest on here Uh, off the air. Travis and I did the math on Alicia and her, her pitching staff this week, she scored 140 points with just her offense alone. So her pitching staff only got 50 points. So her offense tried to slug Karen to death in the matchup, but was unable to, but just for perspective, I think most teams have around like 80 points in pitching a week and she only had 50. So that's, or 90 points. So that's something she needs to think about when, if she's not streaming pitchers and, or not trading for a pitcher. So, um, but it was crazy to see 140 points just from her offense was more than some of the outputs of some of the other teams. Like think about Bizarro only had 149 points and that he had pitching and offense included. So Alicia's offense is definitely something to reckon with, but at the same time, um, she may come up just short every week because you need that extra push to get over the over the hump. But again, I thank you guys for listening, and next week I'm going to be coming back to you on Sunday night uh, after week 16 is done.